This is Flyperbole with Steve Jacot and Craig Forsyth. Two guys who just like to see the Flyers beat the Islanders in a playoff game without squandering a lead and heading to overtime. It's the simple things. Welcome back to Flyperbole, the podcast where we are always wearing big boy pants and never little boy pants, small child pants. No, I actually, <laughs> that's actually not true. I Baby dice. I haven't worn real big boy pants in in months at this point. I don't think I've worn like actual pants since the pandemic started back in March. Yeah, I was gonna say since we've been quarantined, it's been a uh, it's been uh, nothing but basketball shorts and free ball for your boy. I mean, it's been a lot of just not uh, having to act like an adult. So that's. <laughs> I mean, I'm glad the Flyers put in the big boy pants, but I was definitely washing at home. In my chair and underwear. So, like, I mean, good for them. Uh, but I, I'm not putting on big boy pants anytime soon. Been a while since I've worn big Been boy a pants. <laughs> it's so if you're in the dark on this comment, I I don't imagine you are, but there might be some people. Uh, Elaine Vigneault, Big Al, friend of the show, before the mm-hmm. uh, the Flyers Large last line. game where they extended this series with the Islanders. Uh, said that certain guys needed to step up and and put on the big boy pants, uh, namely Claude Giroux and uh, James Van Riemsdyk. And uh, I like to think they stepped up. I think they played pretty well last night. I think a lot of the guys we've been hating on. Claude Giroux and James Van Riemsdyk each had goals in that game, and and both of them had multiple chances to get goals in that game, really played their best games of the entire series by far. Yeah. Yeah, and like I'm, I'm just happy that it looked like Drew, like Drew's game four looked like a lot of effort, but he just couldn't get it to result in anything. So I'm just happy he scored last night, and it wasn't a loss where he didn't score. And then the entire offseason was going to be about how Drew has one goal in 27 postseason games or whatever. So, but I mean, on that topic, uh, so for Drew, snapped a 14 game goal drought, uh, just in general, had two goals in the Flyers' last regular season win against Buffalo. Uh, also snapped a 14, uh, 14 game playoff goal drought. Um, and, uh, his last goal was the first period of game six in the 2018 series against the Penguins. So he's got two goals in his last 27 playoff games. Or if you want to work the other narrative, he's got two goals in the Flyers last three elimination games. So maybe he's just only scoring when it really, really matters. I'm going to look at it that way. You're just saying <laughs> you're saying that Clutch is here for Clutch time and nothing else. Nothing else. So like we'll get a goal of him on Thursday, and then maybe not one on Saturday. And then I'll have three and three and five, and then uh, I'll just keep screaming that number instead of the three and thirty-five or whatever games. You know, I'll just go that route. That's how. That's how. I'm, but he did. I thought he was one of the best players on the ice last night. Like he was everywhere, and he was one of the players that it felt like. Uh, the annoying thing about this postseason has kind of been. It feels like the Canadians and Islanders are staying in these series or, you know, pushing play in these series, mainly based on effort. Like, it just seems like they're executing the little things and kind of knocking the Flyers on their heels with four checking or just getting the loose pucks or winning board battles, which is all 
really annoying narrative bullshit, but it kind of feels like what's going on. I mean, last just, night is- just look at the end of game four where the Flyers pulled the goalie and had a chance to, to tie the game up and just got pinned into the boards. Like it was not like they just hadn't like it was the middle of the second period. Six on five. Scott Mayfield is just, you know, he's sitting in the corner drinking a fresco, reading a comic book. Just real. Nobody's even nobody's doing anything. He's just sitting there running out the clock to win a fucking playoff game. That's so, Scott yeah. in the corner. No, you're right. <laughs> Scott in the spotlight. That's, that's... Eating up the clock. He's not, yeah, he's not losing his religion, though. Although last night should probably help him lose his religion a little bit, and then hopefully by the end of the series he's just full atheist. But but like last night, it seemed like they were all over. It seemed like they were the ones kind of putting the Islanders on, on their heels, and it, it felt that way the entire game until the last couple minutes, and then... Over time, they push play and, and and made it happen. But uh, JVR, the JVR goal drought too. I look at it as okay. So he had a twelve game goal drought. Uh, he scored uh, his nineteenth goal of the season. The Flyers five two win over the Rangers on February twenty eighth, and hadn't scored since then. But the Flyers have played eighteen games where they didn't get a goal from JVR, and I think that's a more important streak because he wasn't hurt. He just was playing shitty enough to get scratched. So it wasn't like. He was playing well and he wasn't scoring. It wasn't like the argument from earlier in the year, I felt like, where he was getting, like, he was one of the better generators of, like, expected goals. He was getting high-quality chances. He was putting up a lot of shot attempts, but nothing was going in. It was kind of, he was invisible for a while. And last night, I mean, that was uh, that was a pretty good goal. And, like, he had a pretty good chance in Game 4. And I thought he actually kind has of... come on in the past few games. Especially yeah, no, now that he I finally, agree. He finally has line mates. Yeah, now that he has players that are, yeah, like decent linemates. And, like, I, he was a guy that kind of avoid, like, people just miss when it came to the big guns showing up, I felt like. Like, everybody was calling out Drew and Voracek and connect like, the names that deserve to be called out. But, like, JVR, I feel like, got less of the blame just because a lot of people are already assuming he's going to be a Seattle Kraken in a few years. But, like, if he, I agree with you. I feel like he's been looking better and he's been getting more dangerous chances. So, like, if he's a guy that can heat up and the Flyers start going back to their low to high, look for greasy goals and muscle and rebounds down low, uh, I think I'd want my power forward to feel like start feeling it if they're going to go that route. So, I I don't know. I, I want to see him back on the first power play unit, <laughs> to be honest. Cause I, I wouldn't mind that either because it's not exactly like it's killing it. <laughs> and his specialty, he's a goal scorer. That's his specialty. That's why he was signed here was to score goals, especially, you know, in situations like that. And the power play has been fucking horrible. Yeah, it's been bad. And like, like that's I, the nicest way I can put it. Fucking horrible. It's been No, just, no, it's been bad. It's yeah. been abysmal. It's been bad. It's been terrible. Like, you can't say enough bad things about this power play <laughs> because the Flyers are getting opportunities and they're just not doing anything with them. They got an overtime power play opportunity in the playoffs last oh night God, and it was pathetic. Happened. Yeah, like, it, it, they really need to change up something. And, like, we talked about Proveroff, and I think that might be the big change on the power play. And, like, JVR, I'm sure people are losing their minds right now because one of the big talking points in the middle of the season was how bad the power play was. And it's because they put Drew on the wrong side and had JVR trying to do this, like, download bullshit all the time that just didn't work. But if you give him... I think if they keep the same formation they got going now and you just make... JVR won the wings. I don't think it would be the end of the. I, I think it would. It's worth a shot considering how the power play has been working out recently. I mean, nothing would be the end of the world at this point because they have. What was. What's the power play at at this point? Like four for 30 something? Like. I I'll, thought I'll it was like it. four. 
Yeah, I I don't want to exaggerate, but I thought it was for like four for forty four or something obnoxious. I thought that was the number I saw. That forty four feels pretty high, but yeah. Um, while you're doing that, I'm going to talk about some of these other goals. I mean, all four goals snapped goal droughts, double digit goal droughts yesterday. So we talked about Drew, we talked about JVR, Niskanen, Niskanen. I thought Niskanen played pretty well last night. I don't know. Uh, snapped the sixteen game goal drought. Scored a goal. You can't complain about that. Yeah. Uh, snapped the 16 game goal drought uh, overall. Snapped the 30 game, 34 playoff game goal drought. Uh, his last pl- goal in the playoffs was on May 1st, 2018, in the Cavs' 4 3 win over Pittsburgh in game three of the 2018 second round. Um, and he, he and Proveroff, I think the big takeaway last night for them, um, yeah, I'm going to fancy stats real quick. So, the last five games that the that was the top pair, so not including Game Six of the Canadian series because Provorov was doing shift work with the other uh, defenseman back there. But the last six games, the last six games Provorov and Niskanen have been paired. Uh, they were they allowed at least one goal against at five on five in the five games leading up to last night, and then last night they had a goal differential of two and zero. So they were on the ice for both uh, two goals, Niskanen's goal, and Provorov set up Lawton's overtime winner, uh, and they didn't give the Islanders a goal against at 5-5. Five five. First time they've done that in this series against the Islanders, and they were also on the ice for a goal against in Game 5 of that uh, Canadian series. So that's kind of big. They didn't really push play. Uh, they had 7 of the 17 shots while they were on the ice. Uh, the Flyers had 7 of the 17 shots while those two were on the ice at 5-5, five and, five, and they had a 36 expected goals for percentage, but results. I mean, they were going up against the top line, too. Uh, so yeah. they went 2-0 against Lee Barzell and Everly. So I think that's a huge, I mean, like, Right now, if you're going to be logging those type of minutes against that type of talent, and you come out in the positives, I'm, I'm fine with it. I mean, that's a good, that's a talented line. Like they, that's the one line on the island. Yeah, no, that's the line. Go, yeah, yeah, they're they're talented. I actually am scared of that line. Lee is a a great goal scorer. Uh, Barzal is. We were talking about this pre-show, but Please, there's not a ton of Islanders I would really be dying to have on the Flyers. Barzal's the one guy I would absolutely love to have him in the orange and black. Yeah, and I mean, he is a lot of why. It's a lot of why the Islanders are successful. Most of the team is just defensive oriented, making sure they don't give up high quality chances against, wait for the opportunities. But Barzell is a guy that just goes in there and just. I forget who put it this way, but uh, he's kind of like a um, a system breaker. Like like he's just a game breaker. Like he just it doesn't matter what kind of defense you throw at him, he's going to go out there. Skate around the like, skate around the zone, wait for his opportunities, and create create something out of nothing. And I think that's a big aspect for that Islanders team because they don't have much above average skill or like players that you really desire because of their god given talent. It's really just more about you know, it looks like they're buying into the system. I think we we landed on Anders Lee too. Like, I'll take a guy that's I, I four goals, all five from yeah. Like, if he's gonna cause problems in front of the net, I mean. I mean, Wayne Simmons was kind of that guy, too, for a while. So, I mean, I'll take an Anders Lee in front. Yeah. Uh, kind of would help the power play right now. You know? Oh, yeah, for sure. For <laughs> sure. Uh, for the record, the Flyers' power play is 4 for 46, which is good for 8.7%. Uh, Yikes. Last amongst active clubs in the playoffs uh, currently. And uh, of all the playoff teams this year, it's only better than the New York Rangers. And there you go. And we saw how good the Rangers did. And, uh, you know, that's part of the reason why these two series have been painful, because uh, they haven't really, haven't really dictated play at 5-5, five and, five. and 
the way you work around that is by great goaltending and getting goals on the power play. And uh, they've gotten the great goaltending part, which we'll get to in a second. But, yeah, power play's got to figure it out. I mean, I at this point, I really think it is Sanheim and maybe switch some of the personnel down low. But I would like to see Sanheim at the point right now. I also just, I mean, I'd rather give Provorov more rest. If he's going to be on the top line or top pair going up against their top line, I'd rather give him a break at some point, and he's still going to be out there on the penalty kill anyways. So, uh, I don't know. That that would be my one suggestion. Uh, I don't know. You, you're feeling the JVR change, though? I am. Like JVR and that, uh, yeah. And then, yeah. Spiro, uh, who? I think I think Provorov and, I mean, what are we talking about currently for the, the unit? I mean, Couturier, if healthy. If Couturier is not healthy, yeah, I say you definitely yeah, have to do it. Um, yeah. I mean, that would be the big thing. Yeah, I mean... Yeah, I, I think he'll be the guy, yeah. Move Claude Drew over to center, uh, JVR, uh, Voracek. JVR in front, yeah. I and think, yeah, you could do, like, Sandheim at the top. Sandheim at the, the top. Uh, Drew on the top right, the, or top left circle usually is, Voracek on the other boards, and then you have JVR and... Yeah, JVR in front, yeah, that would probably... Yeah, and then um, Connecting as well. Connecting uh, or Farabee, one of them. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I just like the way Farabee's been playing. Well, I like the way Farabee's been playing series, yeah. offensively more. <laughs> Farabee <laughs> has not been impressive defensively uh, during the playoffs, <laughs> but I mean, he's been doing more than enough offensively to to really, you know, for, to, for me to ignore that. Yeah, yeah. Uh, what do you think about that hit? Because we were just talking about that before the show too. I, I think it's a, the Adam Pellick hit. I. Uh, I don't know. I don't think he's going to get suspended. It's borderline, right? Like it's, I think he did everything by the book, but everybody knows it's, he definitely, it felt like there's a little bit of malicious intent there. Maybe not like outright malicious intent, but like he definitely wanted to lay him out and he took the opportunity. Like it's not a necessary hit for that situation. And he's definitely going for the head, even though it's not like there's not an elbow or a shoulder like leaning in, but like it's a solid hit and I, I think he definitely meant to have the head included in it, but he did everything by the book, so I can't really... I I, I don't expect anything to happen out of this, but yeah, I'll be like... If it does happen, I'll be like, okay, good. But if it doesn't, <laughs> I'm not shocked. I'm not... I have no expectation of him getting suspended. Yeah, I mean, I really... I... It definitely... You can definitely tell he's stepping up because he wants to lay somebody out because it's a playoff series, so he wants everybody to kind of deal with that damage a little bit later. I think it was the point of contact is the head. And for me, that would be, that, that might be enough to warrant a suspension. But then the argument comes in about like, it looked like Harry, Faraby kind of had his head down a little bit. Like it wasn't like he was standing upright and Pellick left his feet and connected with the head. It was like Faraby was kind of hunching down and Pellick just timed it upright to get his shoulder into his head and kind of crush him. So like, I don't know. I can see if he's not suspended, I'm not going to lose sleep but like I, it was it was you know I you know, I wasn't a fan of the hit you know it was kind of borderline I uh, you know that's uh, that's just one man's opinion it's just my opinion I would prefer that Faraby doesn't get laid the fuck out that would be my uh, stance going forward hopefully it just uh, doesn't get hit but uh, so I think he he's fine the other two injuries that might be in question are Couturier and Barzal and. Uh, Couturier had a hit on Barzal, and it looked like he messed up his right knee, which was the knee that he had hurt, you know, a while back. Um, Didn't look great. Gutis decided, yeah, Gutis decided to submarine him uh, in 2018. But uh, 
I did see a bunch of people pointing out when the Flyers like put uh, posted like their post game celebration video to the Flyers account. Katori was standing in the doorway and not leaning on crutches. So read into that as much as you want. I mean, that's uh, literally five seconds of a video, so I, I, I wouldn't take that into account too much. But we're not going to find out. Like, they're just not letting details out of the bubble. Like, I think him and Barzell are just both game time, questionable for tomorrow. And, uh, like, I, I think Trotz and Navy kind of want that gamesmanship anyway. If if they don't play, they'll literally just say they're not playing. And that's all they have to do yep. is the system that the NHL has set up for this. And mm-hmm. whatever your opinion might be on that, that's what it is. <laughs> Yep, I mean we can't change it. That's just what it is. And Barzell, I mean, I that that injury last night was pretty fucking scary. Like that really did remind me of the that looked a lot like Grabowski Pronger. Um, and it was unfortunate, but he looked. I mean, it, hopefully he's fine. I mean, just not. I don't, I don't want to win the series like that if he ends up being out. Like that would be a real shitty way if he misses the last two games. And uh, that's how the Flyers. I mean, I'll take it. But that's not the way I want to do it. And I hope he is just healthy. I mean, because he is, I mean, yeah, I, like, he's just a good player. And that'll be a real shitty way if, like, if that ends up being something uh, real serious. So, you're a good sport, Craig. You're a good. Yes. <laughs> I'm just a good guy. I think that's the point of this podcast. I'm a good guy. Good I'm guy, trying to make Craig Steven a better guy, too. Yeah. I'm like, it's, you know, I've been working on it a couple of years. It's going to take a while, but it's, I'm just a really good guy. That's the main point of this podcast. Let's talk about Carter Hart. Speaking of good guys, beautiful baby boy is fucking dominating. He is, I think he's the answer in that. He's been playing pretty fucking well. And uh, I just talked about last night, he made two ginormous stops in overtime on Devin T- Devon Taves and Brock Nelson. Uh, Taves got a cross-ice bid for a one-timer that Hart stopped, and it Looked like it might go five on him, but he stopped him uh, side and side to side. And then he just stopped the Brock Nelson uh, breakaway a couple minutes later. Like, those look like guaranteed goals that Hart single-handedly put an end to and then gave uh, plenty of time for Lawton to uh, to get the game winner. Actually, let's talk about Lawton real quick because I'll come back to Carter Hart. Okay. Yeah, Lawton snapped the 10-game goal, dr- uh, goal drought. He had two goals uh, against the Caps in the round robin and also had a goal against the Bruins in the opening game of the round robin but had not scored since. His first ever overtime goal in the regular season or the postseason. I'm not counting that Pittsburgh exhibition game as an overtime goal for him. So that, to me, was his first real overtime goal in the NHL. And I wanted to run through uh, Slam and Sammy, who we'll, we'll, we'll talk about that gentleman a little bit later in the show. But <laughs> coming up later. Tweeted out uh, some info from hashtag NHL stats uh, that cited that Lawton became the seventh flyer to score an overtime goal in an elimination game, he's the first one to do so since Billy Leno in Game 6 of the 2011 Eastern Conference quarterfinals against Buffalo Sabres, a series which the Flyers won in seven games. I wanted to run through the rest of them really quick and then just talk about one of the, uh, I guess, one of the bigger games in franchise history that was so long ago that, like, you know, just nobody cares or talks about it. So we'll definitely talk about it on here because I'm a weirdo. But Simone Gagne had the overtime winner in Game 4 of the 2010 Eastern Conference semifinals against the Bruins. Of course, that was the Game 4 overtime goal that sprung the uh, amazing comeback in 2010. Before that, Joffrey Leupold scored in Game 7 of the 2008 Eastern Conference quarterfinals to knock out the Caps, uh, which was, you know, just one of my one of my favorite goals ever. Just that one. Just And then just talking to people the next day at school was great. Uh, Simone Gagne in Game 6 of 2004 Eastern Conference final against the Tampa Bay Lightning. That was the last time uh, the Flyers have had an overtime goal in an elimination game 
and then ultimately lost the series, as we know the Flyers lost that in seven. And then a couple that I don't think people remember or know about. Dave Poulin uh, had the Game 6 uh, winner in the 1989 uh, Prince of Wales Conference Final against the Canadians, which the Flyers lost in seven games. And then Don Blackburn in Game 6 of the 1968 quarterfinals against the Blues uh, had a goal in double overtime. Uh, it was a 2-1 to one win. I mean, we, we all remember it. Clear as day. I was there. It was a great game. Uh, Andre Lacroix tied the game with 15 seconds left. Uh, and then Dan Blackburn won in a double overtime. Blackburn and Rosier Paymont uh, led the team with six shots on goal. A couple of names that I just, you know, want to throw out there. And then Bernie Perrant stopped 63 of 64 shots, the only 60-save game in franchise history. I know what some of you are thinking. Boucher stopped 57 in that five-overtime game. But fucking Bernie Perrant was 63 saves. <laughs> only the Lord 63 saved. saves. Yeah, 63 saves and just one goal against. Just incredible. Un- unbelievable. Unbelievable. And uh, hey, actually, I think that's... Alarm, alarm. <laughs> uh, I think uh, that leads into the next point pretty well, though. So Alex Alpiard, uh, the Athletic, uh, tweeted this out about Hart, uh, that Hart is now the 10th all-time, 10th all-time in Flyers playoff wins with eight, because as history is going to see it, those wins against the Bruins and Lightning in the round robin count as... Playoff wins. So right now he has eight. Um, ninth is Czech Monik with nine. Wayne Stevenson is eighth with ten. Martin Braun is seventh with eleven. Uh, yeah, Peters is sixth with uh, eleven. Helly Lindbergh is fifth with twelve. Robert Esch is fourth with thirteenth. Brian Boucher is third with twenty-one. Bernie Perrant second with thirty-five. Bron Hextall first with forty-five wins. So I think. I think Hart's going to slowly start moving up these ranks pretty quick, and he's going to get past a lot of these guys in in, in short order. It takes like two years. I mean, we, it take it's taking one right now. Yeah, I mean, by the end of this series, if the Flyers come back, he's going to already be tied for eighth. <laughs> so this is something then, that uh, we saw a lot of. If you were following Fly Properly under quarantine over the summer and spring, is the Flyers goalie records, especially in the playoffs are not very impressive. And a lot of that... Are hilarious. Just it's a, hilarious. A lot of that is due to just the turnover that has happened, though, with the goaltending. You know, I mean, it's always... It, it, that's the Flyers' reputation, is they're always looking for a goalie. And the playoff stats really tell the tale of the tape there, where you see guys like Chekmonik is up there for a lot of Flyers' records, which is yeah, crazy. Yeah. It's crazy. Steve Mason's up there a bunch, not for a lot of playoff stuff, because Steve Mason appeared like once or twice, and he was hurt for like yeah. half of them. But it's, it's, it's really sad. That's the saddest part of Flyers. No, history. it's it's so top heavy. It's Bernie, it's Ron Hextall, and that's pretty much it for most of the records. Yeah, like honestly, and I love Boosh, but that, I mean, you know, he was kind of there for the right teams. <laughs> he was just he's been there for a while, and he's kind of been there for some pretty good teams. Um, but I think. You know, even if the flyer season ends tomorrow night or ends on Saturday, I think the one thing we can take away from this postseason is uh, I think they have their guy. Uh, he's looked fucking good. He's looked real good this entire postseason. And uh, he's stolen games. And he, my biggest the only time is, he's... My biggest thing is he's largely looked unfazed. He's not looked rattled. Mm-hmm. And that's one of the criticisms that I think Sergei Bobrovsky's really had throughout his NHL career. I mean, it's hard to talk too much shit on Sergei Bobrovsky as somebody who's won the Vesna. Uh, and a couple of times, yeah. <laughs> yeah. I mean, he's a phenomenal goalie, but 
his lack of playoff success, you know, I, it might be a little unfair because he was on the goddamn blue jackets. Like not, they weren't going to succeed anyway, but yeah, right, right. It, it is looked at as his major flaw is his lack of playoff success. And you could say he does get rattled, uh, somewhat easily sometimes. Because I, you know, I'm not sure how, I'm not sure if that's just a repu- an unfair reputation or what, but. Oh no, I was, I was going to say like, it does seem like in the postseason he does like sometimes he doesn't get help in the postseason, but then some of the goals he gives up are—I uh, don't know—they're pretty suspect. He was a and, disaster uh, I know... this year for the the Panthers. He was an absolute yeah. disaster. Oh in yeah, the regular season and the playoffs, and that te- that Panthers team didn't help him defensively by any means, but he left in some some friggin' cupcakes. Yeah, that that was the whole thing. Was like he, you know, the Panthers are kind of a mess from their own red line in, but they—it wasn't like Bob was really kind of pushing and like pushing against that grain a lot. Like he had a lot of bad goal defending numbers that were caused by the defense in front of him, but he didn't really do anything to kind of negate like how many like goals were going to end up being scored against the Panthers. If that makes sense. Like Hart's been doing the opposite of that in this postseason. And uh, I, a stat I came across last night, the observations for the game last night. And the one that's been sticking with me to kind of illustrate just how fucking insane he's been this season is uh last night was his fourth game in the bubble where he stopped 10 or more high danger chances uh in all situations for a game so high danger chances are pretty much just re uh rebound chances uh shots in quick succession like uh just any like literally high danger chances so he stopped he made 10 of them last night i think the Islanders had 12 he stopped 10 of them uh five of his 12 games in the bubble he's seen 10 or more high danger chances against Jacob Markstrom of the Canucks is the only player that's been asked to stop 10 or more. Uh, he's had more games where he's been asked to stop 10 or more, and he said to do that six times, but he's only produced three games where he's produced 10-plus uh, high-danger saves or more. So he's three for six when given the opportunity, and Hart is four for five. Um, his four games with 10-plus high-danger saves is uh, the most inside the bubble. So he is seeing a high volume of quality chances against, and he's also stopping that high quality of volume chances against. Uh, and he, the only one that's seen uh, like dangerous chances against at uh, a more consistent rate is Markstrom, and he's done pretty well, but he hasn't been as efficient as Hart. So, and like when you look at, you know, uh, I'm sure people listen to us know Sean Tierney charting hockey, uh, and his website always does a. Um, Goal saved for his expectation throughout the season. And when you look at the goalies in the bubble, Hart, it leads the entire pack for goaltending throughout all around. So even the goalies that have been eliminated, Carter Hart's on the best job at uh, saving uh, saving goals versus what he was expected to stop. Oh, wow. So anyway, you look at it, he's fucking killed it. And uh, it's really... You know the Flyers haven't really been playing that great uh, these two these two rounds, and there's been a lot of questions about performances from big stars and the things that they were able to lean to and rely on during the regular season. Just kind of like it got not bad really... enough that we were questioning yeah. the big stars on the forecast this week, and we yeah. don't do that. That's not what we no. do. We we usually give them yeah. the benefit of the doubt, especially I understand it's tough in the playoffs because they are being targeted as the guys to shut down, and teams make an extra effort to do that, but eventually you got to get something out of these guys and it really reached a tipping point for us and to yeah. again drew and jbr's credit they stepped up they put on their proverbial big boy pants in the last game which <laughs> i i know a lot of people have really taken umbrage with with Vigneault's comment there but i mean he does do that kind of stuff with the vets to try and, and stir the pot I, and stir them up a little i bit. think it's fine 
I, I think the way he does it is fine. Like, I maybe not the big boy pants comment, but the rest of that comment where he was just like, I know they're trying. I know they're busting their balls. I need something more, though. I think that's enough. I think that's the way to nudge them to be like, this is the time. Like, lay it all on the table. And Drew, he sacked up. I don't know what to say. Like, he just went out there and he got it. He, he showed up last night. He really did. And, like, guys, Teak has another one that, you know, we've been screaming. I've been screaming about where he's been. And last night I thought one was one of his better games overall. He was the first star. Entered last night with four points overall in 13 games in the bubble. They were all assists. Two of those assists came in the Caps round-robin game. So he's really – he's had two assists in the 12 other games besides that. Last night, though, had two assists and was really the reason why the goals were scored, in my opinion. So the, the Niskanen one, he created a great cross-ice pass right to Niskanen to set him up for the shot. And the JVR goal was a rush goal, but it was sprung by TK winning a puck battle with Adam Pellick in the flyer zone, and he was able to – get the puck away from him, and then keep him from moving up ice, and it became a, a transition play that JVR was able to finish. So, And he also, in, the, in overtime, he set up Hayes for a pretty solid chance, too, a cross-ice bid that Hayes got pretty low in the slot and just couldn't beat Varlamov. So Konechny showed up last night, too. Didn't score, but if he plays like that every night, the, the, the Flyers are in good shape, and they're probably going to win. That was always my thing with Drew was, even though he wasn't scoring, it was his team lacked depth. And like they're they were doing like you said, like they're gonna if Drew's on the top line, you don't have a second, third, or fourth line, you're gonna stack up your best defensive tandem of lines in a pair against Drew, and then well, it's no surprise he's not scoring. And then also, I tweeted out the thing about the two goals in the last three elimination games last night, and Bill Bill tweeted out a good point that I like forgot was a big argument for why Drew I guess should be dragged for those like not producing as much. Uh, the Flyers get play, played Lundqvist and the Rangers in 2014. Uh, the and that's Caps like Lundqvist right there. Like that's what peak Lund- Lundqvist the Lundqvist, the, the Lundqvist that proceeded to drag them to the Stanley Cup final. Yeah. And, and then like died at the end of it because he knew that he was the reason why they were there. So that Lundqvist, the Caps teams that were absolutely loaded and then Katoria goes down in that first series. But then you're talking about like, Drew, Drew's line out there against, I think it was like at that time, Ovechkin, Backstrom, and Oshie. And Couturier is out. So it's like, all right. And there's nobody else on the team. And then 2018, you're playing Crosby and the Penguins. So it wasn't like... This year's been frustrating because they don't have that excuse of taking on the biggest names in hockey. Like, they played the Canadians and the Islanders. So you're taking on Carey Price and Matt Barzal. Like, you should you should be producing right now. And the team has depth and they have a good defense and they have a goalie that can give you more opportunities to close out games. You got to start coming through now. Like, and I know you're older and I know, I, I don't know what it's like in the bubble and everything, but I, we just need to see more. And I really, I think they delivered last night and you know, if they, if they're the one knocking the other team on their heels and the guys, if we're going to start snapping gold droughts all, all the damn time with every goal, I'm starting to feel better about this team. So like, you know, the big thing, which is scoring goals, and we got goal, we got four goals last night from guys that had not been producing. I think that's like I, I think my mentality towards this series has shifted a lot, and that makes sense because you know they won. Well, it's again what we were saying on the forecast this week is the only way for the Flyers to come back in this series is if their big guns do stuff because the Islanders. One of the things about the Islanders is we you know we joke about them just being a, a solid lineup throughout, but that's one of the things that really benefited the Flyers in the round robin and late in the regular season was their depth. And when the Flyers don't outdo somebody on depth, 
they're going to run into problems like they did with they are with the Islanders. So when you're even on the bottom six and the Islanders might even have an advantage on the bottom six, frankly, the Flyers top uh, six yeah. is where they need to step up big time. And because we know the Flyers have more talent. OK, the Islanders are probably more solid from A to Z. But the Flyers definitely have a lot more talent in the first half of the alphabet right there. Yeah, I, I, I agree with that. Yeah, like they should. Like if they, I think that's why last night was encouraging. I thought last night was the best game of the series for them. And it looked like the Islanders are great when they're playing their game. And when Barry Trotz is able to push all the right buttons, it doesn't matter who's in the lineup because he has them all playing the right way and they always seem to show up for games and there's never an easy win against the Islanders as we're seeing. I mean, both these games have been overtime wins where they blew multi-goal leads and the Islanders were came back late. Um, but if you're able to take the play to the Islanders, that's where they kind of fall apart. And that's what I was trying to say on the forecast is like, they might be like, if they beat the fires, I think the Islanders, I, I expect the lightning to kind of I have an easy time with them, but I think the Islanders would struggle just because the, <laughs> The Lightning are gonna play. They, they. I think they're figuring out how to keep pucks out of their own net, and they have a lot of talent that's just not gonna be like Braden Point's gonna do what Barzell does to other teams. And I don't know if the Islanders are big part. Of what the Islanders do is they let teams into the zone, but then they play great in zone defense. But uh, if Braden Point's gonna be dancing around everybody and looking for cross ice passes or working his way into the slot for shots and looking for rebounds. I think they might run the more problems like that. Like the Flyers really don't have a guy that is doing that right now. And I'm not saying Konechny is a guy that should be, you know, pressure should be on to produce at that level of like a point of bars all. But Konechny is one of the better players that just kind of circle around the zone, look for something. And I, Konechny was the I, team's I leading scorer that. in the regular season. Yeah. And th- I think it's that simple, right? Like, Konechny's a guy they've relied upon all year. He's a guy, he's one of the key reasons they've been successful this year. And with him not producing, well, there's all the points, right? Yeah, yeah. No, exactly. Yeah. Uh, let's, I'm going to run through the, um, I'm going to run through the stats real quick because we talked about, uh, we talked about Connected for a bit, but I wanted to talk about the, the first line overall killed it last night. Uh, they really did. So, Drew Katori Voracek, and again, we don't know the extent of Katori injury, and if he's out, that's that's going to be some that that's going to be a problem. I mean, and I know he hasn't produ- been producing as much, but just filling in the void with another center is going to be it's going to be Grant. I guess you just move Grant to three C, and then maybe have Lawton be the two C. I I don't know, uh, but it's it would be Harry. But anyway, Drew Katori Voracek, eighty two point thirty five course, four percentage, fourteen shot attempts, four. Three against. Uh, five of the six shots while they were on the ice belonged to the Flyers. 87.45 expected goals for percentage. One goal for zero goals against and 743 at five on five. And then also Lawton drew Voracek became the line uh, after Katoria got injured. And they also drove play and dominated and ended up. That was the line that was on the ice for Lawton's overtime winner. So Drew Voracek. I know Voracek hasn't produced this series, but... That line took it to the Islanders last night, and that was a big reason why they were successful and able to get the lead, get oh, the yeah. two-goal lead, and then be able to finish in overtime. So the, that that line did a lot of things right. The offensive pressure they were bringing late in the game was a huge difference maker. I mean, by late in the game, I mean more overtime, because they didn't do shit for offensive pressure in the third period. Goddamn turtle. But, like, yeah, yeah. when they took when they took control of the game for when they did, it was in large part because of the efforts of that line. 
Yeah. And the turtling thing, you're right. Like, they need to, like, I know that's probably a thing AV wants to lean into now. Like, a, an insistence on, like, being more defensive-minded. So that instead of pushing with the forecheck and kind of keeping the puck the other end of the ice, I think he's going to be more willing to kind of just let the Islanders keep adding on pressure. And then you're just playing prevent defense. But I don't think that's the way they should go about it. Because also that mentality that ends up with, you know, Nate Thompson always on the ice against Barthol. So, but... uh the second line, though, Joel Faraby, Kevin Hayes, Tyler Pitt, like that, the, the line that started the game, uh, ended with uh, eight shot attempts, four or three against, five shots, four or one against, 91.83 expected goals, four percentage, broke even in goals, though. No goals for either side when they're at the three were on the ice and 7 10. Uh, going up against both the Islanders' top lines. But Hayes, Hayes, had, a, Hayes had a funky night. Uh, he had. Three scoring chances, and I believe six shots on goal, which led the team. But then he was also on the ice for all three of the Islanders' goals. That Islanders' first goal is weird. I mean, like, I and I think he was supposed to be high in the zone anyway, looking for uh, a possible outlet pass. So I don't do, really blame that one on him. Do you think that was a legal goal? Do you think the, the refs made the right call? I, 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 I think they did. I, I don't know. Like, there, there was – I have to go back and look, but I – no, you know what? I don't know. Hart really wasn't able to do anything on that play. I don't know how that wasn't even like a how they didn't get that being reviewed, but I don't know. Actually, let me look at that. I'm gonna look at that goal right now since we're talking about it. I thought it was pretty bullshitty. Yeah, it felt pretty bullshitty. But I, like, it, that's just like the Islanders. Like, I feel like the Islanders yeah. always get the benefit of the doubt in those weird ass goals. Like, I I don't know. They like, played an just, honest right. game to this point. <laughs> like you're right, but I'm just like, yeah, that's just like what they. That's just what the Islanders do. That's just Isles gonna Isle. <laughs> New York, baby. Uh, and then I Listen, think the I could write. Against... I, I mean, I could say like four thousand or so words on this and the face-off battles so far. That's that's what people want. Yeah, that's that's except usually, on certain I mean... websites they they apparently don't want that. But that's you know that's neither here nor there. <laughs> uh, but also, I think the one out of three goals, I think Hayes deserves a little bit of blame for. The last goal against, even though that goal should mainly be pinned on, honestly, Nate Thompson and Phil Myers. And again, Nate Thompson, another goal where he's trying to help out with pressure down low and they can't get the puck out of the fucking zone. They get scored on. Uh, but I think Hayes could have done more in support there, but, you know, not really necessarily his fault. So uh, I'm going to watch this uh, the opening goal again from last night and enjoy this Geico commercial. I fucking called it. I got the the Adina commercial that everybody's trying to Oh my god. <laughs> it's the war. Did you see uh Sean Gentile and uh, Down Go did an article where they like made Down Go uh Sean made Down Go Brown watch the Geico commercial that everybody in America has to watch thirty thousand fucking times each time he watched two playoff games and then apparently Down Goes Brown made Sean watch whatever the Canadian equivalent of that is. And then they just ripped apart the commercials for like an article. That's great. I've not I thought that was like that. the that's, best. That's it's tremendous. so fucking like just throw in two or three other like commercials. It's insane. You see this like, commercial every single commercial break. It's like I feel like it just makes me not want to like when you have want Geico. like I'd never want to go to Geico. It's when just you the have the NFL playoffs, ever. right? You only have to worry about a couple games, right? You just have to worry about three, four weekends, right? Whereas the NHL, it is such a long protracted event that it's just the constant loop of the same commercials. That fucking auto-tune five dollar foot long commercial. I hate it so much. <laughs> the Geico commercial oh my God, is awful. Yeah. 
Oh my god, the Martin Brodor. No, not that cup, that cup, not that cup, that cup. I feel like also going back to that going back to the Brodor commercial, I feel like after we like, oh, do you mean the Calder Cup? I'm like, all right, fuck you, Martin. Like you don't want it's a coffee cup. You know what I should be talking about. Like, I'm not doing this anymore. Come back to come to the enterprise. I'm not driving this out to you. So by the way, yeah, that goal, I don't know. I'm thinking it shouldn't have counted. Now Pitlick pushed Barzal in there. But then Barzal took his good sweet time getting out and held well, the stick. That's again, I think he's kind of awarded it. Like that becomes a thing of I, I don't know. Like that you're right. Like it's definitely a little bullshit. It, I feel like if you're reviewing it, you should be able to catch that stuff and get the proper nuance. You should. Yeah. Like how I mean, long did they you fucking should. review that Kevin Hayes uh Varlamov like pucks stuck oh, yeah. between the pads with the broadcast, which we cannot oh, accuse yeah. of being flyer unfriendly with Brian Boucher and Keith Jones, uh immediately said <laughs> that's not a goal. Yeah. Yeah. I did see that, you know, it's funny you mentioned that because I did see a couple of Islanders fans like tweeting about that last night about like about how annoying the broadcast was because they had two foreign flyers on it. I was like, oh, Suck it. I don't know if to say, like, I'm, yeah, that's usually how Flyers and Eagles fans have to deal with, just listening to other, I don't know, like, players on shitty teams talk. Like, you know, we have to listen to Troy Aikman every week, so, uh, I don't know, deal with Brian Boucher and Keith Jones. A lot better option. <laughs> I really, I don't know. I don't really care. I don't really care about that shit. Um, but yeah, that was, I don't know. Like, I can see how it probably shouldn't have been a goal, but if Pitley pushes him in there, I guess he, He's probably going to get away with doing whatever the fuck he wants, taking his sweet-ass time getting out of there. It's bullshit, but I, don't, I mean, I guess it doesn't matter now. Um, I guess a, a JVR long connecting line, though. Uh, 61.11 for percentage, 3-1 uh, to one shots, 48.18 expected goals, 4 percentage, 1 own goals in uh, 6.04 of time on the ice. And then went up against the top line a decent amount, too. But uh, the one goal again was JVR, and as Charlie pointed out, maybe didn't. Put it home as cleanly, cleanly as you'd like to see a guy that uh, you'd like to start seeing goals, especially in the wide open nets. But he did get it in. I mean, he got it in, and that's usually what we're all, you know, when we're trying to get it in, it's just all about how, not really, you know, or not how, but just if it got in. So you know, um, and uh, that again, TK had a fucking phenomenal game, and uh, the fourth line sucked. Fourth line was terrible last night, and uh, I hate. A lot of people, like, a lot of people defend Thompson at times. And not, like, he's been okay this series, but it's the idea of, like, eventually that the dam's going to break if you keep throwing him out there against the top line. Like, he, he, does, does a, he doesn't look good. Like, I see him out there. No, he I'm doesn't. Just like, oh, stop it. Stop it. Well, like, the whole thing is he's just, like, guys like him, and, and Grant's kind of another one, too, but mainly guys like Thompson, they always get that credibility of being, like, the veteran leadership and experience and he'll he'll block shots to do the gritty shit. And it's like, yeah, but that guy, like, he brings no offensive upside. I know he scored a goal in the bubble. Let's be fucking serious. Like he's not what was what's been his other scoring chance besides that? I don't know. It's like Grant Thompson and NAK just spent a lot of time in the defensive zone last night. Uh ten shot attempts happened while that three were those three were on the ice. Eight of those shot attempts belonged to the Islanders. They got off shot six to zero at five on five. They had a two point one five expected goals for percentage. They didn't give up any goals, but they should have. Like, that's the thing that I don't like about this argument of, like, him being out there spending all the time in the defensive zone and they don't get scored on. It's the same kind of thing that the, the argument that I make with Hack. It's like, okay, he's not getting scored on, but is he, like, limiting offensive chances? Or is it just coincidental that Hart's able to make all these saves and he's just, like, giving up top-notch stuff? Like, do you know what I mean? If he's not doing anything, 
what is the appeal of like and then when he's out there and they get scored on people defend him too it's like we're giving him the low bar of don't get scored on at five on five but if he fucks that up he deserves to get yelled at we've been talking about this shit for like 10 years at this years. point because yeah no this like, is this is a Vandy not, to, not to give dave hackstall the the slightest bit of it's not even credit but like i don't know people criticize Hackstall constantly for deploying guys like Vandevelde and Belmar in these situations. And they got credited as good defensive players for a period of time, but that's just what some coaches do. A lot of coaches do that. And it's, it sucks. It's just, unfortunately, you know, AV was really good about it for most of the year, but now that wearing, you know, anytime, anywhere clutch time, it's, He's falling back on the habit, and that's just something uh, yeah, that like coaches it. do, unfortunately. Yeah, I don't like it just because it feels a little bit like the Tanner Glass stuff, like his reliance on Tanner Glass. Now, Nate Thompson is better than Tanner Glass, which not a fucking high bar to clear, but I just then if like if it's going to be a thing where he's going to lean on Thompson and he's going to, unfortunately, we don't know if Raffles healthy or not. He's got to be hurt. That's my assumption. But like if because if Grant's on force, he's on the line on the on the fourth layer, or he's a on the fourth line, he's on the wing, and they're getting hemmed in their own zone. Like he can't, like he's got to get the fuck out of there. Like he, he wasn't working on the third line. Now the fourth line isn't really clicking with him. I'd rather see another body in there. And I don't know if you turn it Bunneman, but and also to your point too, you know, like if this is what coaches do, then I'm gonna lean on Fletcher to take the toys away from him again. Like the, I wanted Hextall to do with Hextall, they never did. So if you know that if you have Thompson on the roster and your coach is gonna lean on him to get murdered nightly by Baisal, then don't give him a player like Thompson. Find another fourth-line center that is able to actually spend most of the time in the offensive zone, and that's his version of defense, is just keep the puck as far away from your own net as possible. The funny thing is... Kind of hard to score. We went out and (laughs) could have had Pajot for... Again, I think the price was too high, but... A lot, yeah. yeah, Let's look up. It was like a first and a third. Grant and Thompson instead of Pajot, and Grant for a while looked like a steal because he was scoring goals, but... Thompson, I've never been impressed with Thompson. He was barely in the lineup before the bubble, and now he's a nightly staple. And I don't, and I, yeah, I don't really know what that is. I mean, I, oh, I'm trying to look at this trade. I don't see what the fuck the Pezzo trade was real quick. It was a 2020 conditional first, a 2020 second, a 2020, uh, a 2022 conditional third. So they gave up a first, a second, and a third for Pezzo. For Pagio, as I believe, uh, I think he's a rental. I don't know if he has a. I think they signed him to an extension. Yeah, this is his last. I believe it's like five. Uh, yeah, they did. They did five mil a season or something like that. Which, which uh, I don't know for Pagio, I mean, but I mean, if his playoff production is actually what he's going to do every year in the playoffs, that's a steal. But I doubt that. Yeah, I mean, also right now, if I had that comfort of knowing uh, the three C spot was locked up, I you know I don't know. I wouldn't. I guess I wouldn't hate it. Uh, I. Five five mil for a third line center might be a little uh, a little steep, but again, I think I think that's got to be something they figure out before next postseason is. I mean, there's like teams hopefully it's Patrick. There's teams out yeah. there paying five mil for backup goaltending now. <laughs> I man, what is that? What is? Are you talking about the Canadians? I am. Yeah, what the hell? Why? Why are you trading for Jake Allen? Like, is your like are are they finally going to do it? Are they going to do the whole four skaters two goalies thing? Are we about to see that next year? You know, there's no other reason to do it. Canadians fans fucking, seem pretty happy yeah. about it too. Like, we got a quality backup goaltender. It's like, buddy, you're paying fifteen like, million I, for goaltending. 
Yeah, like, and, like, the thing, too, is, like, it wasn't like Price ran out of steam in the postseason. It wasn't like, oh, look at him, he's exhausted. It was just, he played, he was pretty fucking good. He might be, like, by the numbers, he might end up being, like, the second best goalie in these playoffs behind Hart in terms of, like, quality save versus quality against. So it wasn't like he, he was on E at the end of the tournament there. Like, so given giving him less starts during the regular season doesn't make any sense, especially for whatever the fuck Jake Allen's getting paid. Like, why... I, you know what? I'm hoping maybe I think maybe Bergevin's just gonna go into the GM meetings like, look, you guys know I got two goalies, and you know I want to play those two goalies, so we got to be able to play two goalies at once. I think that's what he's pushing for. That's the only reason. That's the only thing I got. There's no way you spend that much money on. I mean, on it's a bold things. strategy, but if you could put uh, Goldberg at at defenseman in the Mighty Ducks, then that's, it's worth a shot. I mean, yeah, absolutely. That and was man, Mighty Ducks three though, so it only barely counts. It's not even like a yeah, yeah. That's that's a good point. Well, I mean, uh, defense too. Uh, we went through Proveroff and Niskanen, and I think them, like they just had to end, get on the right side of the the production uh, end of uh, the results because again, for a while there, like the your top line can't give up, can't keep it uh, giving up a goal against that five on five. Uh, it's really hard to win that way. And Niskanen had looked like a doo doo. For a little bit of time there, it looked. I thought he looked a little bit better last night. It was definitely his best. I'd say it's best game of the playoffs for sure. I, I think. I think that's yeah. That's probably safe to say. Um, Sanheim Myers, fifty nine point oh nine Corsi four percentage, fourteen to seven in shots, fifty two point eight three expected goals four percentage, two goals for one goal against. Uh, mainly went up against the Bavillier Nelson Bailey line. Uh, it looked like the Flyers got the better of that line last night, which is huge because that line has been on fire for the Islanders all all postseason. Like, the top line is obviously potent and dangerous, but Bovillier, Nelson Bailey has been producing and has been, like, one of the barrel lines in the whole in the whole postseason. Oh, Bovillier and Nelson in particular have been killing the Flyers. Oh, my God. Yeah, now then that, and that Nelson, I mean, like, that Nelson shot last night was maybe the only one that I guess Hart would want back, but it was still a pretty fucking good shot. So, I, I don't know. Um, and then the third pair. Uh, Hagbron, uh, 14 to 9 in shot attempts, two shots for, five shots against while they were out there, 46.27 expected goals for percentage, no goals for, no goals against in 12.33 going up against the fourth line and the third pair of the Islanders. And again, Hag was on the ice. I thought he could have done more to help prevent that last goal, but it wasn't really all on him. It was really more on Thompson or and Myers, but uh, I did... I was I was ready to lose my mind because the whole argument of well they're not giving up goals almost backfired at the absolute worst time in the season because oh, yeah. that was Thompson and Hag were out there and they gave up a goal uh, because they are you know because you know they don't do anything out there so and then uh, but luckily Lawton was able to uh, to bail him out so uh, and again I I'm really hoping that Scott Lawton is back and. Because he looked completely oh, yeah. lost for a while. He, he has was, fucking terrible games, yeah. He was insane in the round robin, scoring goals, just like a force to be reckoned with. And then he was just some of the worst turnovers I've, uh, turnovers I've ever seen in the past like few games. And then, yeah, exactly. Thankfully, he looks like he's right at the ship, and I really hope he has, because he looked real bad for a while. Yeah, and like I, just like you said, it's... It wasn't just the fact he wasn't scoring because, you know, Lawton isn't really a guy you look to for goals too often from the Flyers. But it was just the fact of, like, in that Canadian series, it felt like he, 
you you just have to play really tight hockey and not give up mistakes. And he was just serving up pizzas. Like, he was just giving up the worst turnovers in defensive zone and just, I mean, luckily the Flyers have Carter Hart is what it came down to for some of those plays. But, uh, yeah, hopefully he, if he can turn around and these guys that scored last night are no longer, uh, you know, gripping the sticks that tight, Steve, uh, you know, they can kind of loosen up and start getting more chances. I think the Flyers will be, the Flyers might be able to, you know, uh, put something together. You know, one game at a time. You got to play full sixty minutes, uh, shift by shift, and uh, maybe they'll, uh, you know, uh, force a game seven. We'll yeah, find well, out. play a full sixty well, minutes is a tall order for this team. <laughs> this team has been allergic to playing a full sixty minutes. It's fascinating. Uh, they almost did it last night, and then they decided to fuck around near the end of the game. Maybe Hack is uh, like maybe Elaine Vigneault. We're gonna we're gonna tear off the mask, and he's Hack after all that. <laughs> <laughs> I was gonna say the this the shooting from low to high thing. I get it right now, but it's still just, man, it's killing me. Like, I just hate that that's a, that we had to watch so much of that over the years as like a choice rather than leaning on it to beat a defensive team where you're not going to get as many open chances or just open looks. But uh, I guess it is what it is. Um, yes. Well, hopefully the Flyers have gotten their shit together and can actually win a game without collapsing a lead and heading to overtime to win it. That would be very yeah, nice. it'll be it'll, it'll be kind of nice, yeah. Yeah, just uh, finish off that game. I mean, like just uh, you know close out that game. That's a nice three-one win. It didn't help. Feel better. It really didn't help that Katoria got hurt, but Barzell got hurt for the Islanders, so it kind of evened out a little bit. Yeah, yeah, and yeah, we'll see again. I, I couldn't see any definitive words. Like I didn't get any definitive statement on uh, if those two are going to play tomorrow. But I'm assuming it's just games and ship, and we'll we'll know more tomorrow. We could do a pregame show a half hour before the game and not know <laughs> and still not know yeah exactly so that's, how that's uh we're not oh, we're not getting blamed for that you guys can blame other people for that info probably the nhl for the uh, unfit to play uh terminology and whatnot unfit to play he could be sick who knows we're not gonna tell and might have yeah well you guys will find out yeah we'll find out a little bit yeah <laughs> right now well, Craig, I would like to take this moment and address the fact that we did not do a show last week, and there is a very good reason for that, a significant reason, and I'd like to address that at this time. So, uh, last week, around this time, uh, the Flyers and Islanders did play, and the Flyers had a game where they blew a lead and won in overtime. Again, that's... That's a, a theme I kind of hate, but that's how it is. Uh, but while they were doing that, news came out that the NBA players were not going to play. And the reason for that was they were going to uh, to basically hold a protest uh, in the wake of the Jacob Blake shooting in Wisconsin. And it's it was a significant moment. And I think it's really worth mentioning that the protest was initiated and done by the NBA players. It's not the league that, you know, came out, the league did not want this to happen. The players really used their power in such an admirable way and came right. out and, and did a, a noble thing. And then other leagues started to follow. The NHL did not follow on Thursday. And it was... Uh, on Wednesday, on Wednesday. Wednesday, yes, they, on, on Wednesday. Yeah. So it was a little uncomfortable. <laughs> a little uncomfortable as a, yeah, a fan of the sport. Yeah, it was not great. Yeah, to see them not taking that stand but then the players did come out and put their heads together and decide to not play for thursday and friday 
And I'm really glad they did that. I'm glad they they consulted uh, some of the black players in the league to get their two cents on the matter and really, you know, see what the right thing to do is. I mean, you'd like them to take a stand all on their own, but the fact that they're even initiating conversations, considering how bad hockey players are at communication and really taking a stand that's detrimental to a team, that's a that's a big step for these guys. Yeah. Yeah, it is. And uh, to me, I think the big thing was, um, like, I think a big, I guess, issue with everything surrounding uh, the situations like the Jacob Blake shooting or the George Floyd death or Breonna Taylor death and all these things are, it's the, I guess, the recognition of the issue at hand by people that aren't really affected by the issue. So to just put it bluntly, I mean, a lot of these police brutality situations are happening against black people. Like black people are inexplicably getting murdered on film by police. And then that's where most of the rage is coming from. And then for a league like the NHL, where it's predominantly white players for them to not really like Wednesday, it just wasn't exactly the best look because they weren't aware of, the issues that were going on they really weren't sure you know you know they got to the rink and they heard what the nba did and they just kind of played anyway and it was all this stuff where it was kind of like the issue is not enough people kind of understanding the gravity of the situation and that's what the nhl looked like on wednesday but then on thursday to me i thought they did a pretty good job and i thought ryan reeves kind of gave a summary of what i'm trying to you know say right here with all these uh with pretty poorly but ryan reeves said that it was kevin shattenkirk and i think bill horvat or a couple of guys from the canucks reached out to him to see what they should do and he emphasized that it was a huge thing that it was white players reaching out to him to be like hey how can we help and not like you know like how it had been where it's been like the few limited black players in the nhl had to kind of take charge and be the ones that had to be like, hey, this is why all this is wrong. While on Thursday, it seemed like it was more like Kevin, Kevin Shattenkirk and a couple Canucks recognized like the issues at hand and they wanted to get involved. And I, you know, a lot's been made about like, what are two days off of games? Like, what's that going to accomplish? But I... It got the conversation to comment on that. I yep. think that's, that's, all that. that's the biggest thing here. Yep. It, it brought awareness to... Uh, a subject that really inexplicably seemed to be flying under the radar. I think part of that is just the fact that it's been such a just miserable, miserable year. 2020 has been... Just, it's been terrible. Yeah. It's been horrible. I mean, it, it just gets worse and worse. And I think it's numbed us a bit. And especially after the George Floyd protest, everything, that was huge. That was such a, yeah. a tremendous movement. And... The Jacob Blake incident where he, you know, he, he was unnecessarily shot during uh, an incident with police. It just, at least, you know, that's again, that's the, the story out there. It seems completely unnecessary that he was shot. I believe he is, he can't walk yeah. right now, right? He's, he's paralyzed. He's paralyzed. Yeah. yeah. And it's, yeah. it's something that just seemed to be, I mean, not totally flying under the radar, but was not handled it wasn't as big of a deal to people as George Floyd. And it's and that, all these incidents and are, that's the are thing. horrific. And we yeah. need to bring awareness of that. And 
I'm very proud of the NBA for for taking the stand they did and and using their clout as athletes to to really bring awareness to this and and stop the country. And I'm just the people that really I just cannot stand here are the people that don't understand why this was done. The people that just are inconvenienced by not having sports for a couple of days. Oh, get back to work, you millionaires. Shut up. I can't stand yeah. people like that who just don't understand. And these are people who are not sympathetic to the issues at hand. People right. that right, right. deride the Black Lives Matter movement and make it seem like a, a joke and, and seem like something not worthwhile. And it's it's completely worthwhile. It's such a tremendous movement. And I just... I, like, I was embarrassed when the NHL didn't do anything at first. And then... I felt weird on Wednesday. Yeah, I really did. Like, I was I was running the Flyers... I mean, not the Flyers. I was running the BSH account. And I was like, am I... Like, I didn't know if I should keep tweeting. And it was a thing where... I mean, you could tell, like, people were just not... Like, it just felt wrong. Like, it just felt out of place. And um, I think... And the, the thing one is, thing for us, gonna... like... Oh, yeah, go ahead. Everything yeah. kind of started mid-game for how everything was rolling literally out. middle like yeah the middle of the, game. the news had been out there before that but the, the protests were going on in kenosha unfortunately some people lost their lives during the protest which is just uh, yeah horrific absolutely horrific and it's, it's just it, the whole thing is just so incredibly fucked up but the, the news started rolling out about the nba taking a stand and taking a protest while we're watching this flyers islanders game and you, you could just see the enthusiasm like just dwindle down on Twitter. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I wanted to go back to the, um, the point you made about how people kind of focus more on the George Floyd thing because there was less going on, which was like the, the thing I was trying to say earlier with, it's just the, that's part of it. That is the problem here is that everybody knew about the George Floyd thing because we all were at home. Everybody saw that video, but like they, he's not the only that's not the only video out there of something like that. It seems to be an issue that's been going on for a while. And it's not just, you know, like it's, it's happening enough where there's, there's gotta be some kind of change to just how things are handled. Not even just to put all the blame on cops, I guess, but just like even, you know, cause the common refrain is people trying to respond with like, videos of white people being abused or killed at the high hands of cops and it's like well that's doesn't really make it better it just kind of alludes to the fact that maybe we're not doing it right and maybe there's another way to kind of work around this and figure it all out and i don't have the answers i'm a fucking 30 year old hockey blogger but i would like to help kind of push it in the right direction and part of this thing is about having a platform and the nba players use their platform on wednesday and that was i believe i believe that was the first time the players just like went on strike it was a strike it wasn't the league like you said it wasn't the league canceling it was the players making a point that they weren't going to provide entertainment while there are greater issues going on and for the people that say like what has this done the ravens put like the ravens tweeted out i think they suggested a law that should have been enacted uh, by congress i think they but like that's how they when they tweeted about the jacob blake incident they suggested some legislation that should be passed to kind of help limit these situations and also arenas sports arenas are now going to be open up for um 
for voting in November, or in November, I believe. I believe that's what I saw. Like the Wells Fargo Center is going to be open yeah. up on election day, so people can go. So like the that NBA, was any stadium affiliated with an NBA team, to my knowledge, is going to be open for polling yeah. in November, which is fantastic. And it it it's about awareness. It's about people that might not. I mean, look again. People were not as aware of Jacob Blake and everything that happened there as they should have been. And this really brought awareness to people. It got in their face and people need to have people like they need to have these things put in their face sometimes because there's just so much going on at all times. And it's not necessarily that there aren't, that there are too many distractions, although that definitely is a factor, but I I think a lot of it has to do with just fatigue of again, how bad this entire year has been. And I, I don't know. It was very necessary for the the NBA to take these actions, and I think they they really did bring awareness of this uh, to more people that than would have seen and noticed this otherwise. And to everybody who complained, oh, I didn't get sports for a couple of days. Shame on you. Shame on you. This is so much bigger than sports, and it's I, I'm just you know people are not here. I know they are technically entertainers, but they're people too, and we need to hear their voices, especially when they need to speak up about something important. Yeah, I'm just, I'm, again, very proud of uh, the NBA, you know, NBA players for for getting up and making their voice matter so much and, and really confronting people with this, and I'm proud of the NHLers for eventually coming around on it, and it's been a little weird as a Flyers fan because the... The players are a little awkward about all of it. Uh, but, you know, credit uh, to the guys who have come out and, and talked about it. But it's like, for instance, it, Elaine Vigneault was asked about this at a press conference. And I really feel like he kind of avoided the topic as much as. Yeah. He did. Yeah, that's yeah, that's what it felt like. Like, I, I don't know. I, I guess I really didn't have major issues with whatever he said in either statement it was just kind of uh yeah i mean i just kind of again going back to what i've said a couple times already here it just kind of speaks to the issue of like uh some that the problem isn't affecting don't really want to talk about it or address it i guess which i i don't know that's i'll let people judge av's stance on that i guess i don't know i like i didn't think he anything he said was absolutely terrible but i kind of get why people were upset about it uh and i think his follow-up statement again wasn't that it just all kind of it feels a little like white privilege but again i don't really like i'm not gonna drag av for that i guess i don't know like it is it is what it is like he's and basically know. if you're not as familiar with Vigneault's con comments here he, he basically just said that he wasn't aware anything was going on because he had just yeah. stuck his head in hockey so much and mm. just really was involved in the bubble, which again, it sounds a little bullshitty and a lot of people called bullshit on it. A lot of people really dragged a lame video for that. I think it's personally, I really feel like he was kind of just avoiding the topic and didn't really want to talk about the social issues. And, uh, you know, it, it is difficult, but I, I just, I don't know. You'd like to see him say something supportive, especially given how some of the NBA coaches are have been especially outspoken. Like uh, Greg Popovich, for instance, for instance, is just oh, yeah. such yeah. an amazing outspoken advocate and always speaks his mind. It's a combination of it's not really the NHL way and 
I, I think Vigneault he could have generally just, just not. I don't known, know. Which like I, I don't know. That's like I, a, I don't know if I believe. I don't buy. Yeah, that, I don't. But... No, I don't buy. I don't buy that either. I just I, I don't know. The whole thing with AV is messy, and I don't. I, I don't know. I just. Yeah, I think he needs to do better than that. But it's, again, like, I'm not... The fact that I think he gave a second statement to kind of clarify his first stance and not know, and I think, to me, that's fine. And I didn't need him to, like, say certain things, I guess, in the follow-up statement besides double down on whatever he messed up on the first statement. But I, I think he's I think he's fine. The biggest thing to me, and let's roll it out there, folks. Uh, this is our Taking It to the Beats segment. Um Sam Carcini. <laughs> Sam Carcini. Sam and Sammy. I already mentioned him on the podcast. Uh, he, so the players are doing all this, uh, trying to use your platform to help solve issues at, uh, that are much greater than playing hockey. First question Zoom call following the days off. Or not days off, the days in protest, I guess is the way to put it. Sam and Sammy comes in and says, to put aside everything that's been going on, do you think the momentum will carry over from the overtime of the game two win? He asked. Pretty much tried to. It sounded like he was trying to belittle what was going on, and was just like, "We carry. You still able to carry momentum because of this break of what's going on?" And the like. First of all, to ever phrase that question like that is fucking dumb right now. And like to kind of, and again, Carcitti has a past of uh, not really hiding his opinions on. Player protest, the Kate Smith statue uh, fiasco, and all this stuff. Like, you kind of know which way Karchi leans. And that's what kind of makes this even worse, because it really sounded like he just didn't want to go in with the... Like, he just was kind of over the protest. And I think he, like, like apologized afterwards. But again, like, to lead off the fucking Zoom call with that, is it's embarrassing. It's atrocious. Like, he... Like, like asking about the momentum, I guess, at some point in that presser, fine. And even hockey questions. You, you're going to ask hockey questions. You're asking hockey players about hockey games. But, but just kind of come in the first and, and one. shove exactly. it aside. Like, just the, yeah. basically, like, just try and push the important issues out of the way first. Just like, oh, if I could just wipe these under the carpet real quick, you know. Like, yeah. Jesus Christ, dude. Just It was just handled so poorly. And like, I, you know, I, t- I can't fathom why he would come in and phrase it like that beyond just being clueless. Being Sammy. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it just it was so it was embarrassing, frankly, as a fan of this. Yeah, movie. I know the beat yeah, writers are not an yeah. indicator of us as fans, but it was still embarrassing. And I just it's kind of obnoxious. It's extremely obnoxious to just come oh, in and be like, yeah. let's not, let's ignore all this important, you know, justice reform going on and everything. Let's talk about hockey, the real important thing here. Jesus yeah. Christ. <laughs> yeah, fucking, that's Slam and Sammy, though. He always, like, just, oh, like, I feel like he always asks the worst questions on that. Or, like, always knows the thing, the thing you shouldn't be doing, or, like, you should know better and not do. I feel like Carcini is just consistently tripping over his own feet i don't know like this was just insane that he actually said that and it's it really is kind of fucking disgraceful honestly like i'm not and again to me it's the upfront it's the first question to those guys and you're just like all right let's brush all this aside the momentum factor it's like yeah that's not the fucking are you serious like that's the thing you're going off about like right now all things considered so like I, what a non number one that's a nonsense question on an any day of the week yeah yeah, frankly, yeah seriously the, yeah the stupid like momentum from game to game is such a like 
pretty dumb. I, 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 I don't know. It's kind of a ridiculous question. But, I mean, to phrase it like that, to to just push aside the important issues and just say, like, let's get back to the real nitty-gritty of hockey here is just so clueless or i i'm i might not be clueless it might have been intentionally purposeful which it kind of I, seems like it was again but yeah i like it, that's the thing that people want to defend him about but like you know he had all this I mean, he's got a tweets. history yeah he's got exactly the, remember when he put the uh the aoc uh joke out there yeah like, oh, i didn't realize that i would be taken one yeah. way or the other and then the stuff with uh kaepernick like when during the 2016-17 season uh, after Kaepernick kneeled, he was like, no protest here, the NHL gets her. There's some bullshit like that. So that's the whole thing that goes into it. It's not like, like if it was like Dave Isaac or somebody else that didn't have shitty like history with social issues, I think it wouldn't be as big an issue. But like, I don't know, Karchita kind of feels like it could be, like he, it kind of felt like he was showing his hand where he stands on all this, which, uh, yeah. And upsetting. it was shitty. It was and it was shitty. Yeah, it was really it was yeah. a shitty and, thing to do. It was it's shitty to put the players in that position too. The fact that like it was Niskanen and JVR, right? I believe that was who it was. Yeah, and, and JVR is one been, of those guys. Yeah, it, JVR was one of the guys that approached. Uh, and I think Lawton was the other one. Yeah, I was gonna say those are the other guys that apparently started getting the ball rolling with like Shattenkirk and uh, and the Canucks guys. Is what I originally saw. So like again, those guys probably wouldn't have mind focusing those questions on. The bigger things at hand at the moment, but uh, Karchi just wasn't having it. Just wasn't feeling it. It would have been nice if the Flyers had kind of been like, "No, I refuse to answer that." But uh, you know, I guess you, uh, how do you, you plug can't it? ask for yeah. everything. Uh, former Flyers apparently did that. However, Luke Shen and Braden Coburn. Oh yeah, I did not. I missed that. I guess I didn't see. Uh, I haven't been seeing a lot of the, the the press stuff, honestly, with um inside the bubble. But like, they just refused to answer a question. Yeah. That was okay. Yeah, good for them. I mean, like, that's that is, again, it's part of their platform. Like, uh, they are playing a game for a living. And if they have a chance to make some kind of positive change in society, they, I think they should be able to utilize that. And again, like, that would have been a prime opportunity for JVR Niskin to be like, uh, how about we talk about the more important thing right now? But it's good. I, I mean, it's good that NHL players are starting to do that. Because uh, I think they are kind of far behind on that, and it is it does kind of just go into their culture, like you've been saying, of like you're not you're just supposed to kind of shut up and do what you're told in hockey culture. It's all about you know being part of a team and sacrificing for the greater good, and not kind of I guess having too much like individuality. So it, it's kind of I, I still want to start seeing these players kind of step out of the box more and kind of utilize their platform, I guess. I I mean, yeah, I guess that's really all I don't know. That, that, do that, better, Sam. Do that's our taking it to that's the beach our message main, here. Yeah. Do better, Sam. Do better. Jesus. E- educate oh. yourself too. And don't don't fucking like it's hockey and again, it's hockey during a global pandemic. So like there's just too much shit going on to just be like, let's stick brush this sports. aside right now. Yeah, like there's the the stick to sports people right now, you're insane. I hope you know that. Like, you're fucking insane. You're talking about and sick of the sports. Sports where people are just, they're all playing in Toronto right now in a bubble so they don't catch the disease. Like, it's kind of, I want hockey. I mean, help. That probably yeah, most of the people that are telling the athletes to stick to sports deny even exists. 
<laughs> yeah, yeah, that's yeah, that's kind of true, actually. But yeah, just what a what a hellscape we live in. Good God, it's just it's unbelievable, and it just again, shame on everybody who's saying stick to sports and you know get back to doing what I say you should do. That's bullshit. It's just stop it, knock it off. And also, it, the people that oh, the NHL took a couple days off, so I'm gonna take a couple days off from watching them nobody cares about you well wow you what are... a message message sent message sent oh bravo and if you stop watching the sport over something like this you weren't that good of a fan to start with and you're a shittier human i like the, the very good point i like the picture just batman's on twitter and like some dude with like 40 followers is like you know what that's enough nhl for me and then batman just sees it, he's like oh fuck uh bill daily should we do you want to worry about this or do you want to keep doing the thing we're doing where everybody else is watching? I don't, we don't want to lose this one guy though, who has very shitty opinions on everything. Should we It's just like every, like, do they just care about each person that's like, I'm done with the NHL. And then they're, they're there watching the next week anyway. So it's like the same people that I think are just like abandoning Carson, Carson Wentz right now. Cause oh, he's yeah. like, yeah, he's like, Hey, I'm not from North Dakota anymore. And it looks like there's a lot of issues going on here. And they're like, why don't you stick to football? And it's like, okay, man, this is, all right. Uh, Steve, do you want to stick to hockey, though? I mean, do you want to get back on track and uh, really focus here? You know me. Terrible I'm transition. All about, <laughs> I'm all about sticking to hockey, you know, writing or saying 4,000 plus words on hockey. Hell yeah. And uh, let's uh, let's get into it. Let's. Uh, you want to talk about these other series? Going to cross broad to get to those spicy takes. <laughs> uh, yeah, we can, we can talk about those other series. <laughs> Oh man, yeah. Let's. Uh, we, we got one going on right now. We got Colorado and Dallas going on right now, and, and I've it actually looks been, like uh, been shocked by how the Stars came out of the gate on fire and really took it to the Avalanche. But uh, my Colorado God, literally I, just scored. You saw that goal by Raymond. That goal was fucking gross. Yeah, that was that was ridiculous. Uh, I yeah, that was a pretty good goal. I I yeah, they're gonna force Game Seven now. It looks like, and I think they're probably gonna take it. Um, the stars. The thing with the stars was they got a big goal scoring uh, surge, so like that's why I think that's why people were kind of shocked they're here. But that was like their big issue throughout the season was they couldn't score goals. But I think they play sound defense and they kind of have depth throughout that, like they can piece together wins. And then they just like went off in the first and second round here. But uh, it looks like the after kind of push them back. And uh, yeah, I mean. That series, that's the most exciting series. Uh, I mean, hopefully the Flyers can make it. The, the Under series is a little more exciting, too. But uh, that's the most exciting one. Lightning and Bruins are already done. I'm happy the Bruins are done because now they got some real fucking issues they got to focus on. Because uh, big question about whether or not Char is coming back. And yeah. He's and 43. I, <laughs> and uh, I don't blame him if he's done. He should have retired three years ago, frankly. But He still... really, like, yeah. He's and been a, like a he's pretty bad. effective NHLer, yeah. I yeah, mean, but like he's still going. But I, I don't know how much longer he can. He's forty three, man. Like that's. I think it's time. I think he's done. And honestly, honestly, if he wasn't, if he wasn't just like a fucking mammoth of a man, then he probably wouldn't have played as long. But he's no, huge. Yeah. He's just he can compensate for his reach losing that speed with that long ass reach. Yeah, it really, and he and he's good at defense. Like he knows, he, he knows what he's doing out there, and he does know how to use his size to his advantage. So he, it's gonna hurt for them to lose. Not only him uh, and Rask. Look, Rask has one more year at seven million on his contract, but uh, 
I don't know if you guys have looked at Bruins Twitter lately and how they feel about Tuka Rask. Jesus man. Christ. There were the inexplicable, who... like, people hated him for no reason before he had to leave the bubble to help his family in crisis. That apparently was, like, ticking people off, but, like, now the whole city is against him, it feels like. And, god damn, man, Boston fans are so fucking dumb. They're so fucking dumb. Like, they, I, I don't know. Like if it Rask wasn't is, for Carter Hart, I'd I'd be stepping in and going, I would take him off your hands gladly. Uh, yeah, it's, exactly. It's just unbelievable. Like he leaves the bubble for a legitimate reason because his family needs him. I believe his daughter was in the hospital, and he had newborns at home. Like I, 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 I what what more do you want? Like the the expectations of what people have from athletes between that. Uh, the shit that people piled onto Nolan Patrick for his migraine oh, situation, Christ. Yeah, which is something stuff. beyond his control, but people act like, oh, well, you know, he's just, he's soft. He's fresh. his choice. Yeah. yeah. Like he, he doesn't want to be on the ice. Like, man, the, the way that people treat athletes is just, it's, it's and again, I know these guys make millions of dollars and they have, they are paid to play a game, but they are not here to at your beck and call to do whatever you want whatever you say like right come on there's still people at the end of the day and we got to treat them like people no no you're absolutely right um and i think that like again we do we've been ripping on drew but he's also been in the bubble when he missed his kid's first like birthday so there's a very like this is the one year i really like i I don't know what it'd be like in the bubble right now because i think a lot of us are struggling mentally in 2020 (laughs) I think Couturier and JVR have babies at home too, like pretty young babies. And yeah, so I mean, it's not exactly the easiest thing to step away from. So just like again, and they're stepping away for your entertainment. So I'm I, I'm not going to bitch and complain about anybody leaving the bubble or if any games are canceled from here on out. Whatever. I mean, this is 2020. Just on a different timeline. Um, uh, the the Bruins goaltending. I was going to say. It kind of fucked if Rask does leave, though, because they have one more year of Halak, who even if Halak is their answer in net, I don't know how much longer he's going to be around. And then, goaltending-wise, they have Daniel Vladar and Jeremy Swayman, but they're both, uh, like, Vladar might be the guy that is, uh, like, it might be Halak and him next year. I don't know how confident you would, would feel with that combination, but he should probably be up here by 2021, 2022, and then uh, Swayman is a little bit further away. But they really, it's not like they have one guy that's going to come in and like solid. It wasn't like when the Penguins let Flurry go and they had Murray to put in there. It's like their goaltending might become an issue for them now. I mean, they have an All Star out there waiting in the wings that they could just bring on anytime they want. Stoli the goalie, Stoltender the goaltender. Oh yeah, just go get Stolarz. Yeah, or Cam Talbot. Cam Talbot again, who had an amazing postseason. Cal Heater. Cal Heater. Nico Nico Hoivinen, I think, was another deep pull from that era of random goalies uh, the the Flyers had in the pipeline. So any of the any of those guys, you just go ahead and uh, Joakim Erickson, you know, one of those guys, somebody like that, and uh, just uh, just make it happen. Marek Matson, I remember being upset when he got traded. Didn't didn't, didn't do shit. I heard Ilya Briskalov's willing to take another run around the Ooh, course, and I mean, he'd go over great in Boston. They'd love him. Oh yeah, definitely. So. Uh, non-North American that uh, seems to lose focus on the game. Yeah, that definitely. That's got Boston success written all over it. Yeah. <laughs> they fucking love him out there, yeah. <laughs> fucking Briz got off. No, he's, gonna, he's just going to keep getting free tickets to the Flyers for the rest of his life. Well, not free, but... Well, kind of free, because he's using the Flyers money to buy the Flyers tickets. So, I don't know. Uh, what about uh, the other series? Uh, Dal- yeah, Dallas Avs. 
Uh, I just love Kudobin's had some of the best reactions when he's like got scored on this series. He's had like two or three goals where he just looks off in the distance like he doesn't know what just happened, and he's kind of confused about like what a goal against is. And uh, I don't know. He's just been cracking me up with that. And uh, oh yeah, I think the uh, other series we haven't talked about is Golden Knights Vancouver. And yeah, I mean, I still think about, it's Golden. Talk about a back scratcher here. <laughs> Head scratcher, oh. backstabber. Wait, that that tweet. So Mark Andre Fleury's agent, Alan Walsh, yeah. tweeted out a picture of him stabbed in the back, claiming the Knights stabbed him in the back by playing Leonard over over yeah, Fleury. Sword... It's just like it has nothing to do with the fact that that Fleury's uh, you know save percentage has just plummeted. Yeah, both him and Leonard haven't exactly. Uh... I haven't exactly been killing it, but it's not like it was a given that, you know, Flurry should have been starting. But I just like, yeah, and the sword had the boar's name on it, like going into Flurry's back. It was fucking obnoxious. And I'm pretty sure Flurry would like didn't want that at all. So uh I just I don't know why he tweeted out and I just called it called uh calls a riff for no reason. But I think uh the Canucks, I'll say about the Canucks, they're gonna be dangerous like next year or the next couple of years. Because they are making this the the postseason that we were kind of talking about where they're going to showcase their skill and they've had like, yeah, like Corvette and Besser and guys and Pedersen's been having a, Pedersen is still doing insane shit every single night. And so is Quinn Hughes. And like, they still have to get rid of some of the shitty players. Uh, they're taking up like their, the, the depth spots on that team. But when they work at the kinks, they can be, they'll be pretty scary next year, especially if Markstrom plays the way he's been playing. Markstrom's been helping them stay in this series, but, um, yeah, Pedersen, did you see the goal? It was game two where he uh, set up to Foley. Pedersen went behind the net and, like, angled his knee against the net so he could wrap around quicker and throw the pass across the, 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 the crease. I watched it, like, ten different times. And each time I watched it, while he was doing it, I'm like, that doesn't look intentional. And then when he finishes the pass, I'm like, he totally fucking meant to do that. It was the weirdest <laughs> thing. I Like, it, he is just so creative. He's, like, the next... He's got. He's gonna be the next Datsuk. Like he's gonna have those Datsuk moves. I feel like, and we're gonna be. Uh, oh, he's. I hope that's phenomenal. Are good. I, I, yeah. I, us and the Jersey Devils are gonna be real bitter about not drafting him. But it's oh, that's well, how I the mean, cookie crumbles. That's uh, the draft. Yeah, there was another team drafted second in that draft by, and uh, there's a couple. Uh, that's why I Patterson. said us. <laughs> okay. Okay. Yeah. I said I, us uh, and the Jersey Devils. Oh, okay. That may have been. Maybe a little Comcast effect there, but. Uh, well, yeah, and then. Looking at uh, Heiskanen and uh, Makar fucking killing it in this series, in this postseason, and also in this series. But Heiskanen was up there. Heiskanen was second in points at one point in time, uh, and uh, yeah, now Patterson like three, four, and five in that draft. It just looks, you know, like I. It just sucks. That's the draft. Yeah, it that's, just sucks. That's, that's really how, what it is. Yeah, that's how the cookie crumbles. No, yeah. We've already examined it a bunch of times. Well, we've examined that, and again, we would have called the Flyers insane for not taking Nolan Patrick at that yeah. time. Yeah. There was a consensus one and two. Uh, what else from this? Uh, I mean, Dennis Guriano has been great for the Stars, too. So has Rupe Hintz. Um, and the Avs, too. Like, I love how the Avs... Grubauer gets hurt and Frank Hughes gets hurt. And then they turn to Michael fucking Hutchinson. And now they're, like, rattling off wins. Like, the one goalie that's in the postseason that you shouldn't be winning with. The Avs are like, I guess we got to score more goals now. And then they just go and they scored more goals. Game five... Like, that was nuts watching, because I was watching the, like, the Lightning Bruins overtime was going on, and they always throw up, like, the, the updated score on the NBCSN uh, tracker thing, and it was, like, every other minute, they just made it 5 nothing in the first period. It was insane. 
it's going to be a hell of a game seven if it gets to that point. And, uh, yeah. It's looking pretty good on that front. Yeah. So, I mean, I think uh, we'll see how the uh, – it should be Flyers-Tampa in the East. I'm going to stick with that now. Uh, and it looks like Vegas is going to uh, – Vegas should be able to beat the Canucks here. And, uh, yeah, I mean, I don't know. If if Avs Golden Knights, who would you take? Avs Golden Knights, who would you take? And Stars Golden Knights, who would you take? If it's Stars Golden Knight, I think that's where the Stars trip ends, especially with the way they're looking towards the end of this this series. I don't think – if they go back to their old goal-scoring ways, I think they're really going to struggle against the, the Golden Knights. But I picked Golden... the Avs before the playoffs started. Uh, I picked the Avs out of the West because I really like this team. And – I think that's going to be a great series, though. I think that's going seven. Uh, the Knights are stacked. They're a great team. Uh, the Avs have McKinnon, who's just phenomenal. Rantanen, who's amazing. McCarr, who has made some rookie mistakes, but he's still such a phenomenal talent. And they I, got the I don't know. I, now. Yeah. I, I think the, I, I want to say the Avs, but it could go either way. It's a real toss-up. Yeah, it's a real... I, you know, I kind of like the Golden Knights. Because I don't think... The one thing that really scares the shit out of me with the Golden Knights is... You know, the goaltending hasn't been amazing for them. Or hasn't really been, I guess, stealing games. Like, they've had good games, but not consistent production. But I I would trust them more than I would trust uh, Michael Hutchinson. And it sounds like we're not really sure when, much like all the other, all the other injuries, we don't know when Grubauer or Frank Kuz are coming back. So it might be, uh, I, I don't know. Hutchinson and that, I feel like that's just one of those things that's going to eventually break. Like, you can't, I, you can't keep going back to it. But we'll, uh, we'll find out. I mean, some teams did make it to the Stanley Cup final with Michael Layton in that, so maybe it's a uh, maybe it's not impossible to do. But uh, yeah, so after these these playoffs, Steve, uh, we're looking forward to the twenty twenty one regular season, and uh, we can't, we got some news about that from uh, ESPN from Greg Wyshynski and uh, Emily Kaplan, friends of the show. Uh, apparently, the league is ready to eat shit when it comes to next season, the 2020-21 season. Uh, they all apparently know that it's unlikely they'll get 82 games. And it sounds like they're throwing out a lot of crazy stuff when it comes to how they're going to handle playing through COVID and also the possibility of filling fans into a stadium. So via the article from Oshinsky and Kaplan, um, oh, apparently one uh, team exec said, we know it's going to be bad. We're going to try and make it as least bad as possible. We know we're going to take a bath. We're all going to take big baths, which I, it sounds like a funny way. I don't know. It just sounds funny to me. It's like, look, we're all going to brush like, our teeth. I know we all have toothbrushes. Was he doing like a Trump Mad Libs there? Because <laughs> we know it's going to be bad, very bad. We're trying to make it as least bad as possible. We know we're going to take a bath. We're all going to take big baths. Like, it, that's really ridiculously <laughs> Trump-esque. Uh, yeah, this is that's a weird way to put it. least bad. What is that? Jesus Well, I, the whole I, thing was, here's the, yeah. I totally acknowledged when the NHL announced that they were going to do playoffs and then they were going to go into this point. And I, I totally realized that next season would be shorter. Do next season shorter. There's no need to do a full season. Again, two short seasons back on track. That's all. Yeah. And that's, uh, and to, to your point, apparently one uh, high ranking team business executive told ESPN. We all realize an A2 game schedule for next season is a pipe dream. It's just not going to happen. So, and they were talking, there's some talk of that when the, 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 the target date to start next season was originally December 1st, but now it's looking like it might be pushed back to mid to late January. And a few executives are thinking that the range of the games played for next season will be anywhere from 60 to 70. So it looks like next season may start 
They want to start as soon as possible in December, which I, I don't know. I, that doesn't really feel uh, likely. Uh, so it's probably going to be like mid mid January, and it's going to be sixty to seventy games. Um, and then when it comes to watching in person, uh, one NHL executive laid out three scenarios in terms of fans at games for next season. So the first one, pretty simple. Uh, it's not going to feel great hearing it, but uh, no fans at all for the whole season. Uh, the second one is start with no fans, then go to 50, 50% capacity at some point, and then try to get the 90% capacity by the end of the season. And then the third scenario is start at 50% capacity, work to 75% capacity at some point in the season, and then once again end with 90% capacity in terms of how many people are in the seats. Um, and to me right now, the idea of 90% capacity with where we are in terms of a vaccine and how everybody is handling social distancing, uh, it ain't fucking happening. I, I don't see 90% happening, honestly. I don't know if that's just me. I don't know how you feel about it, Steve. I feel like you're probably in the same boat. I, I, yeah, I'm, that's a hard pass for me. Yeah, like it's just not happening. Um, and again, I think... I think we're going to have 60 games without fans. Uh, that feels like what's going to happen, because this was a big request of the players in all leagues right now. And, like, it's just, you, then you're going to look at a big break in action again, and you still have to factor in there's seven teams that haven't played since March. There are seven teams that might go 10 months without competitive games of hockey. And honestly, closer to 11, so if it's going to be late January, and they play their last game in early March, like, Losers That's tournament. That's a lot of Let's time. Do it. Yeah, sure. Fire it up. Losers tournament to see who starts in the basement during the regular season. See, this is <laughs> they're this working is why they, the they should have held off on the first overall pick and done the losers tournament. Oh, you know they yeah they fucking should have. But they then you'd have the to. Bed there. They poop the sheets big time. They poop the sheets big. And I hate when people poop the sheets. You, you hear it often here. I can't stand when people poop the sheets. So can't stand it. Can't stand it. I mean, people. I don't feel comfortable with anybody social distancing for that, so there's likely not going to be fans. I don't and feel comfortable for, in general. Yeah. For a recent example of how poorly that's going, we talked about a Smash Mouth show a couple weeks ago. We gave our in-depth analysis from Wikipedia yeah. of Walking on the Sun, and it turns out, this is a real shocker, real shocker right yes. here, that Smash Mouth show was an absolute disaster for COVID-19 cases. A hundred plus cases from that Smash yeah. Mouth show. And this is uh, this is via listener Dan Fisher, Dan Fisher nine twenty four on Twitter, uh, friend of the show, pointed out that we had mentioned the Smash Mouth show at the Sturgis Motorcycle Festival, which you know we've all been there, and we all know what that's about. And uh, yeah, hundred plus cases. And via punknews.org, which is the uh, the article that Dan shared with us during the Smash Mouth set, lead singer Steve Harwell said, "Now we're all here together tonight, and we're being human once again. Fuck that COVID shit." Well, it appears that simply yelling fuck that COVID shit was not enough to ward off the virus. Which, if I wanted, like, if there was anything that I wanted to represent my feelings about this year, it's just the 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 cockiness in that statement. Or just, like, the blunt, well, yeah, you're being dumb about it. Like, just that, the feeling that that writer gave off. And I don't even, I don't even think that guy's name is on the article. Because I looked for it. I just, that's how I kind of feel about everything right now. Yeah, yeah, oh yeah, just go ahead and yell at it. <laughs> Might as well be. Let's talk about this uh, Sturgis uh, Motorcycle Festival, though, because it might be. I mean, I I think I would have gone if I knew about it beforehand. You ready for this lineup, Steve? It's a, it's a fucking doozy. Uh, Night Ranger? Motorin! Motor- all, all I think about with that song is, did you ever see Superstar? 
with uh, I Will have Ferrell not. and Molly, Molly Shannon. Shannon. Yeah, it, it was. I for some reason I watched it years ago, and like the guy he he she ends up liking like rides up on a motorcycle. It's the guy that was in Half Baked. He was the cop that drank the piss in a Dumb and Dumber. I don't know. Oh that yeah, guy's yeah, name. yeah, yeah. But you know what I'm talking. But like he rode up on a motorcycle, and that song is just blaring. And he like gives her a look like, "Hey, what's up?" And then just drives away. But it was like the cheesiest thing. <laughs> but that's what I think about whenever I hear uh, "fucking Night Rangers" in that song. Is that um, the Kenny Wayne Shepherd Band? Oh, I remember this band from the late '90s. Oh yeah, really? Oh yeah, yeah. I what was their song? I don't. I, don't I think it was "Blue that. on Black." Blue on Black. They were like a a bluesy kind of. Oh okay, band. Man, so, I, They were they were yeah. fine. Uh, the legitimate, maybe best band in the group here, Lit. I mean, that I, does. I mean, they're no, but <laughs> <laughs> well, I mean, well, okay, let's see. Okay, I'm talking about considering the other bands we're talking Craig, about here. <laughs> Craig, I, I gotta say, right now, you're your own worst enemy. Oh boy, okay. Good well, night, good hockey. This discussion's getting lit, but I want to talk about 38 Special, uh, because really, when it comes to uh, this show's outline, we are we're hanging on loosely. Uh, but 38 Special is probably my favorite band, if we're being honest here, about all these, because they have two songs I like. And uh, it's either them or Quiet Riot, who uh, had Come On, Feel the Noise. Come with, on, uh, feel the noise. Yeah. And then uh, uh, Metal Health. And uh, what are some of their other shitty songs? They had a couple of good, good songs, I thought. I don't know. For, considering really their come on, feel the noise. shitty air, like hair metal. They're, I don't know. They uh, had a couple of songs. R- Reverend Horton Heat. I'm not familiar. Not familiar either. Horton uh, and then... <laughs> the Dr. Seuss book they didn't want you to read. Uh, and then Bone Thugs and Harmony. Oh, who... <laughs> I also think of just uh, the greatest video of all time. I think of uh, oh my god, the the Biggie song that they did, uh, Notorious. Yeah, I'm pretty sure that was it. Yeah, um, but that was uh, yeah, that, so they, they're probably Phillies the best fan. one. You would hear that all the time this year because uh, Dee Dee Gregorius uses that for his leadoff song. Oh, does he? Okay, he well does. there you go. I like Dee Dee's now my favorite. Uh... Oh, I, no, I don't. Uh, it's not that one then. It's not notorious. It's uh... oh my god, what is the song? I used to oh, love man. it. Man, I'm never gonna remember. I'm gonna, I'm gonna die. I'm gonna die not knowing. Notorious. You're gonna die. Oh, Big Bone Thugs. Oh my god. Harmony. It was. I'll see you at the crossroads, Notor- Craig. I think it's notorious. <laughs> okay, let's get the fuck out of here. <laughs> we got listen. Don't go to Smash Mouth con- concerts because they're apparently not doing the whole mask thing. So uh, just I, I wouldn't be go there regardless because I'm not a believer. All right, please. <laughs> I, I I can't stop. Let's get around the league. This is enough. Yeah, let's let's do around the league. It's gonna be a bulky around the league because uh, a lot of shit went down. Uh, a lot of trades, and uh, one of them was uh, Kasperi Kapanen getting traded back to the Penguins with oh, wow. Conscious Aberg. And Jesper Lindgren uh, for uh, defenseman with David Warsawski, Evan Rodriguez, Phil Hollander, and the 15th overall in 2020 going back to the Leafs. And I got to say, as a Flyers fan. 10 pounds fan, of shit in a five-pound bag right there. Big fan. Big fan of this trade. Because Kaepernick's, like, Kaepernick's fine. Kaepernick's good. I don't think he's worth the 15th overall. I don't think he's worth losing Hollander, uh, who is probably your, your best prospect if you're the Penguins. Rutherford has officially reached his like batshit crazy old man phase of GM. Like, yeah, like he's 
it is just like uh, desperately clinging to whatever he can to win now. I like he, you know, we we talked about Jack Johnson. I think it came out this week that uh, they're just going to let Justin Schultz walk. So you're talking about two issues on defense right there with those guys. Um, and then goalies, you you got to pick out which one you want, and you only have one under contract for next season, and it wasn't one of the main two guys you used in the league. So for them to use the first to add another forward who I don't even know if he's necessarily a top-line guy, honestly. Uh, he had 36 points in 69 games, very nice amount of games this year, 13 goals. And then last season, he had 44 points, uh, 20 goals, uh, and 24 assists in 78 games. Uh, and he's fast. He's very fast, and he's got hands, so like I think he's going to fit in Sullivan's system, Sullivan system, but I don't know. And like Pontius Aberg is going to be a bottom six guy for them, who isn't anything to write home about. Uh, I did enjoy, I do enjoy that the big thing I remember about Pontius Aberg, and Steve put the video in the in the outline for it was uh, he has two playoff goals in his uh, career, and one of them was in Game Two of the 2017 Cup. And he just fucking walked the entire Penguins defense and ripped the shot over Murray. And it was one of those goals that while it's happening, like as he was going left to right, I was just like, oh my God. And then he just roosted over everybody. <laughs> and uh, and then the uh, Predators lost that series, so it wasn't as fun. Anymore. That was pretty majestic. I just watched it. It was it was a fucking thing of beauty. Yeah. Um, but then Jesper Lindgren, so the defenseman the Penguins got in the deal, uh, it sounds like it's not even a surefire, like, NHL player. According to Scott Wheeler, one of the main draft guys at The Athletic, uh, he ranked him as the 14th best prospect in the Maple Leafs prospect pool when he was ranking the prospect pools back in, I believe, January or February. Uh, and pretty much described him, uh, and it sounded like a Mark Freeman type, where it sounded like he's progressed pretty well in the AHL. Uh, he could serve as like a call up in the future, but he doesn't necessarily even see a path for like regular NHL minutes. So that was the guy they got, 23 year old right hand defenseman, uh, 2015 fourth round pick, uh, who had nine points in 31 games with the Marlies this season. Uh, and he's a smaller puck moving defenseman. Apparently his defensive game has improved, but he, uh, like, I, I don't know. Like, they, I, like, happening isn't worth the 15th. And then that throw ins they got really weren't. Things that should have pushed you over the top. And Hollander, too, is a guy, 20-year-old winger taken in 2018, a second-round pick by Pittsburgh, had 14 points this year in 27 games with Lulia, Lulia HF in the SHL. And again, going back to Wheeler's rankings, ranked him as the fourth-best prospect in the Penguins' pipeline, but that's because he fractured his leg this year. And the other two guys ahead of him on those rankings, so Nathan Laguerre and Samuel Poulin, uh, are slated as possible middle six forwards. And Hollander apparently has more upside than both of them. So it's just... Hollander's it, opus is just not worth it. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And then... Uh, <laughs> Do you even know what that was? That was nope. Reference of course Mr. Holland's fucking was... opus. <laughs> Richard Dreyfus 90s movie. Oh, oh yeah, you know what a deep... Richard, orchestra. I mean, yeah, I'm not. Yeah, of course I'm not. I'm not getting that fucking reference. <laughs> <laughs> I like when you just tee off sometimes. Like I get there's some stuff I should get, and then there are times I'm like, let's oh, there's, let's I don't think the that one's just I'm old. <laughs> <laughs> all right, all right. So uh, Pittsburgh, so, after all this, they're still looking to make some deals, right? They're looking to trade. Yeah, pretty much. So yeah, and they're looking that they got to trade one of uh, uh, Murray or Jari, and honestly, that's a little bit of a tough, dicey question right now. And all things considered. They have $9.2 million in cap space with 10 forwards signed. They still need to sign four RFAs. Seven defensemen signed. They needed to sign one RFA. And then one goalie signed, which is Casey DeSmith, and the two RFAs, Murray and Jari. So 
They're going to have to make some moves. And honestly, with the way it's trending, with the decisions that Rutherford's making, he's going to try... It feels like he's trying to build it so the Penguins can keep throwing the kitchen sink at like each postseason and really building up the teams. But he's not efficiently adding. And I, I the Penguins... just figured out the perfect trade uh, place for... You do oh. a three-way deal... <laughs> With Boston, Matt Murray goes to Boston. Oh God! Tuca goes somewhere that can afford him, and then I don't know. Well, honestly, picks or some shit to Pittsburgh. Who cares? Well, the thing we were just talking about. Uh, I hope I hope Bergman doesn't fucking try and help out the Penguins now, because like Jake Allen isn't. You know what? I shouldn't say it. Jake Allen had really didn't have that bad of a year. Uh, I put him in. I put in the notes here. I'll, I'll just mention it now because we already talked about. He was traded to the Canadians with the twenty twenty second seventh. Jesus Christ, Bergman, him in the seventh. Uh, while St. Louis gets the 2023rd and a 2027th from Montreal. Uh, so Jake Allen now have, he had a 927 save percentage of 24 games this season, which really wasn't like, I know Jake Allen's had his up and downs and he hasn't looked great. And he was the reason why Bennington got more action and kind of helped the blues win last year. But I, you know, the penguins don't really have any sure bets in that. Jari looked really good at points this season. And Murray is like, I don't know what you do with Murray, but, uh, Maybe they go after Allen and they just kind of cut ties with Murray and that's that's what they do. But cap hit a four point three or five million, so again they might have to work something out to work around that. Um, and the and the Canadians do have the advantage that they have Caden Primo, uh, unfortunately, Keith's kid, uh, waiting in the pipeline after uh, Hextall and Bergman did more of those infamous seventh round pick swaps. Uh, apparently, it's going to work out for the Canadians somehow. So there you go. Uh, but um, looking around the res, so the Penguins are kind of fucked. Is what I'm saying. Once once. Crosby and Malcolm retire, we should be looking at the old Penguins. Like the early 2000 Penguins where we're going That's 18 true. game losing streaks. And yeah, it'll be a real shame. It'll be a real bitch to uh, watch that. But uh, you know, it's life. And uh, you know, it's Pittsburgh. And uh, I don't know what to say. So, uh, you know, ben, big, big Ben's about to retire too. So I hope I hope you enjoy all your sports That's right now, Pittsburgh. Yeah. So anyway, uh, to go along with that, Mike Green has announced his retirement. That doesn't really do anything we were just talking about, but it is a big news story. 501 points, 150 of which were goals, and 880 games for the Caps, Red Wings, and two games for the Oilers over his 15-year career. Uh, only D-man since 1993-94 to pot 30 goals in a season when he had 31 in 2008-09, which, as I'm saying now, is still kind of fucking nuts that a defenseman does. Uh, and I know Brent Burns was getting up there. I don't think he actually – I don't think he did get the 30, though. I'm, uh, I might have to go back and check that. But I, I looked at a hockey reference before we got on here. So uh, And also, five other uh, – he had five other 10-goal seasons, which, again, defenseman 10 goals kind of a mark to, you know, kind of highlight he had a pretty good year of production, uh, including 19 goals in 2009, uh, 2010, and he had 18 in 2007-08. So – he almost had three 20 goal seasons as a defenseman, which is kind of nuts. Um, I'm okay. pretty sure the only, yeah, Wierenski did this year and he was the only one. And that's still pretty ridiculous. Uh, and he has the fifth most goals by D-man since he entered the league in 2005, 2006. And since we're talking about the caps, we'll move on to Todd Reardon, who was fired by Washington after just two seasons with the team, went 89, 46, and 16. and was knocked out in the first round. Of both postseasons, knocked out in double overtime in Game 7 against the Hurricanes last year, and then he's knocked out in five games to the Flyers' current opponent uh, this year. And they also only won two games in the bubble with one win against Boston in the round robin. So, again, uh, it's kind of fun looking at the Cavs' misery because uh, that team could really use a bona fide head coach that knows how to press the right buttons with that group. And, uh, you know, there was one of those guys that did that, 
and got them to buy into the defensive system. And it looks like they liked buying into it and winning, and they could have probably done it more, but thankfully for the rest of us, they uh, got the hell out of there and let Trout so, you know. Yeah, again, real fucking shame. But uh, also worth mentioning, Reardon was with the Penguins before he went to the Caps. He was an assistant with uh, the Pittsburgh organization from 2010-11 to 2013-14, and he was also the uh, the Guido Penguins head coach before that. Um, sticking with the Caps once more, Alex Ovechkin is going to be on the cover of NHL 21, and he joins Jonathan Taves as the only NHL player to cover the uh, athletic or uh, be the cover athlete twice for the game. Uh, Taze was on the cover in NHL 11 and 16. I think part of that, part of the reason why Taze was... Well, if I remember correctly, part of that was, I think Kane was supposed to be on NHL 15, or NHL 16, and then that was his whole summer with the rape accusation, so then I think the EA changed it. So Taze kind of like, I think that's what happened. I mean, I I'm pretty sure that's what happened. I remember that. I thought I remember that being a thing because they made it like Taves was on the cover, like holding the cup with Kane, and then they gave credit to Kane. But anyway, uh, and Ovechkin was originally on it in uh, NHL 07, Last Fire, of course, Claude Drew in uh, NHL 13. I remember that one, and also Big E on NHL 99. Oh yeah, yeah I used to, that game I used to wear the shit out of for N64. Yeah, that game was oh man. Um, talked about the Jake Allen trade already. The other big news was Bill Zito being named the new GM of the Florida Panthers, not Barry Zito or Tom Glavin or Greg Maddox, Bill Zito. Not Barry uh, Zito, had... the old like slow <laughs> southpaw. <laughs> yeah, that I think is still pitching with the Giants or pitched in the majors for like 30 fucking years, you know. Uh, but he had been with uh, the Blue Jackets front office since 2013-14 and his name had been thrown around. His name was thrown out last year with the Flyers. Never actually got an interview, I believe, if I remember correctly. But it was one of the names, him and Steve Grilly were like the two big shot names that were thrown out there as flyer, like possible flyers, uh, answers to the flyers GM question. But I don't think they ever actually got interviewed or anything or advanced past uh, speculation. But uh, anyway, Zito comes in after Dale Town was let go earlier this summer. And I believe Dale Town was mainly let go because of his shitty work as a GM. But there have also been reports, which I haven't seen an update to, but I saw about four or five days ago, uh, George Richards, who's one of the better beats on the Panthers, uh, tweeted about how uh, apparently Dale Talon was uh, possibly let go to because he had let out, he had said something racially charged, had some kind of racial statement after uh, Matt Dumba made his speech at the Round Robin or something, and then it became whole issue with that i don't know and i saw the quote about uh, apparently he didn't know dumbo was black which is kind of i, I don't even know what to say that but uh like I, he, are you serious like yeah okay. like uh, so i mean like i, I so like man maybe that's it maybe that was that would be enough uh i just it, he i also saw something about him saying he doesn't remember saying anything or like even seeing the video of the dumb incident so i i don't know i don't know like that that's just a whole another layer to the fun of I mean, not, you know, I don't even goes. see race. What, what yeah, even is so, it? Yeah, exactly. That's kind of that comes off there. And uh, that's, yeah, that's the note we're ending on. <laughs> that's, uh, that was the last one around the league. So there you go. That was, uh, that's all we got. But uh, Steve, how are you feeling plenty. for tomorrow? How, you, how you, Are you thinking they do it? You think they extend it to game seven? Yeah, why not? You know, I feel good about this. I, I'm like thinking they do. I'd like to keep podcasting about Flyers hockey, but we I like talking about the Flyers, uh, Flyers winning. Well, see, it, I think to me, if Couturier plays, they win. If Couturier doesn't, they lose. You don't think and Nate I Thompson's think... stepping up as one C and uh, dominating? You know what? I don't. 
So yeah, let's just well, leave it at that. <laughs> if he does, if he does, Kurt is buying a Thompson jersey. Oh, he better. We're gonna make yeah, sure he's. Yeah, no, he's. Uh, uh, we're absolutely gonna make Kurt spend some money on that. And uh, Kurt, Kurt and Bub, by the way, gave us a suggestion for an off-season episode, which I 100 percent believe we're gonna do, and it's gonna be like four hours. And I'm here for it. So we're gonna we're gonna get in that, but we'll we'll get the we'll cross that bridge when we get there. We will cross that bridge when we get here. We have uh, we got to wrap this puppy up though. I gotta go. Yeah, we gotta, gotta tuck go. the we gotta tuck this baby to bed. Yeah, eat, eat so, some late food and uh, call it a night. So. <laughs> Folks, thanks so much for listening. If you have feedback for us, the best place is on twitter.com.org.edu.ca. You can reach Craig at Sports Are Bad. Yep, and uh, I put out something for Game 5 about how I didn't want the Flyers. So I was writing an emotional piece or whatever. It's just pretty much I wasn't using numbers. Uh, I just wrote about how the season was, what, like, I thought this was a, the season was a positive to me. And the way the fan base was feeling after the Game 5 loss, I didn't want them to lose and have it be another offseason of, like, should we trade Giroux? Is this team actually as good as we think they are? Is Niskanen for real? Is the penalty kill actually better? Is AV just, was he just a glorified version of Haxtell at first? And now we're starting to see like some of the warts. Like I just wanted them to come out and take it to the Islanders for a game. And they did that in game six, uh, or in game five, I mean. Um, so I wrote about that. I got that out there. I had the game five observations as well. Um, I'm not. I don't think I'm going to have anything for Thursday, and we'll see about Friday. So that's what I got going on. And, of course, if the Flyers do end up pushing this to seven games and winning, we will have a forecast out the beginning of next week previewing the matchup against the Lightning. Big if, big if, but we will see on that. Big if, yeah. Speaking of the forecast, we did record a couple of those. So uh, if you're missing out on the hyperbole from the past couple weeks, we have two forecasts for you. Uh, obviously, the one is uh, really not relevant anymore, but <laughs> this week, still pretty relevant. Uh, yeah, the one this week is good. You can reach me at Estebaum or Flyperbole, but for your hockey needs, make it Flyperbole. Fly uh, follow BSH Radio, follow Broad Street Hockey. Uh, just wanted to give a quick uh, rest in peace to Chadwick Boseman. Uh, terrible loss this week in the acting world. And uh, See, I mean, speaking of 2020, man, like Jesus Christ, like, what a terrible, win. like, and like the fact that he was going through that kind of shit too. It's just like, ah, uh, this fucking year, <laughs> this year is just fucking absolutely year. terrible. Just- Absolutely terrible. Absolutely terrible. Uh, listener shout outs. Uh, just wanted to give one to good old Mark Merck Gunner, who is a proud oh, hey, yeah. KGB supporter who just asked for one. So why not? <laughs> there you go. There's a shout out. Mark Gunner also is got a uh, better player. Yeah. Yeah. And also got a DM from another listener, uh, Scott Shoemaker. And I wanted to give him a quick shout out as well. So uh, thanks so much for listening, guys. All right. That's it. This has been plenty. I got to go. Thank you so much for listening. Until next time, as always, good night and good hockey. Hello, everybody. This is Fly Purbly. It is a podcast about hockey, mostly the Flyers, but also other hockey things, like other hockey teams that play the sport of hockey. Steve, but not Steve Hartnell, and Craig, but not Craig Ruby. No, this isn't all those hockey guys. 
These are the guys who watch the hockey sport. Yeah!